Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Pioneer Podcast. I'm Tanner Grace, as always, I'm joined by Ross Merriam. Ross, how are you doing today? I am doing fine. I don't know. It's just you look tired, so I was gonna, I was expecting the usual old answer. Well, I look tired because I just got up from a nap, but that means I'm not as tired. You know, I'm, I'm well rested. I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, we're a little, little bit later in the week than we normally are. It is right now. It's Wednesday afternoon while Ross and I are recording this. So hopefully, it gets out as soon as possible for everybody that's you know actively waiting for it. I know any new entertainment is awesome right now. What's going on in the world? Um, I don't know about you, Ross, but uh, recently. This article got posted with, like, all the new streaming stuff that's coming out this month. Like, every new movie or TV show and, like, what date and what service that it's on. And I went and read it. It was, like, three or four hundred different things, you know, individual things. And I took notes in my phone on, like, what comes <laughs> out on what day. So, like, I have, I ready. you know, like, hey. Yeah, I am, like, ready, man. I am good to go. Uh, we're a little bit later in the week because Ross and I, believe it or not, we're actually a little busy this week. Which is nice, right? Like, I'm actually in a good mood. I've had, like, a busy week, you know, stuff to do, like, yeah, purpose it's, in it's life. It's definitely nice to have things to do. <laughs> yeah. So, we're also been doing some stuff with, with, with Magic and some other stuff and some streaming. Um, I had my two-year wedding anniversary yesterday. So, like, I took the day off, quote-unquote, and just did some stuff with Natalie. Like, we did stuff around the house, did some yard work that we need to get done. And then we treated our – we uh, treat yourself, you know, as, as people say. We did a little um, – we went out and got uh, – I actually went out and picked up some foods. The first time I had, like – left the house or left the neighborhood in like well over a week or whatever we went up, picked up uh, a nice meal and uh opened up a bottle of champagne and just like had a nice little night together you know uh we played this game that we got uh that we hadn't done yet it's like a couple's you know a, a game designed for couples and stuff so it was like fun to do and uh just sat on the couch cuddled with the dog and had a good time it was uh it was nice it was nice to kind of like escape i guess is the right word for a little while yeah just you know sort of let the world be and be in in your own sort of separate universe even though uh you're in the same house that you're spending 24 hours a day in yeah and like i joked with you the other day but i really meant it and i was like hey like i'm glad that i got quarantined with you <laughs> you know like you know i was like joking with you i was like i'm glad that you picked up streaming and you're like doing some stuff because like i'd be scared to see what you would look like after a few months of like just sitting in your apartment by yourself and having <laughs> no like no interpersonal connections of any kind or like just no human contact kind of stuff it'd be weird oh, yeah. right it, like uh, definitely gets to you and streaming has been a, a big help in that regard just giving me a, a <laughs> platform on which i can actually interact with people yeah speaking of streaming i know it's going to be too late for people to find out. i know that later today uh you and a couple of your other team bcw teammates were doing another one of your challenges against uh Team Lotus Box. For some reason, I just like blanked on their name because I mean we don't really need to name the second place team in this competition. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean there there really isn't a team after BCW. It's it's there's no competition there. Or as I like to call it, Team Youngin versus Team Old Man. Our team is a little bit younger than it has been in the past. Although we we, we sort of added both ends of the spectrum, right? Like Gene and Ely are up there, uh, and are they old? Are they both older than me? I think so. Which is, it's kind of hard to take me off the team and have your average age go up. It's tough to be older than you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's weird in my mind to hear them like, yeah, well, we took you off the team. We added these two. And I'm like, dude, the average age went up. Well, that's weird. Then we also added Pete and Daryl, who are both quite young. To be fair. Okay, so Daryl's young. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. Daryl's young. Pete 
seems older than he is. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's just been around for so long. Like, it's not that Daryl has it, but, like, you know, Pete had been in, like, the limelight a little bit longer yeah. than Daryl has. You know, he's, he did his stint at Watt. Like, in Magic years, he's definitely older than, than his age. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like, you and me are dinosaurs. Yeah, I've been around forever. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> kind of stuff. So You started playing in, like, 1994. You've got me crushed. Yeah, 94, 95, or something like that. I, I still remember, like, being excited. Like, being excited for and, like, seeing... Like literal commercials and advertisements for Ice Age coming out, and we didn't get spoilers like we do today, right? You know, but I still remember what card I was excited for. Can you guess? Um, was it Joko Hops? No, it was um Scaled Worm. I think his name is. It's just like a seven, <laughs> seven six, six for like eight, seven. Man. seven and a green. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, this card is broken. I can't wait to put it in my deck with Craw Giant and Craw Worm. So big. And, <laughs> yeah, like Polar Kraken, like Polar Kraken is like the biggest thing ever printed. I think it was like Homelands or whatever yeah, or something like that. I can't 11, remember. 11 but for eight blue, blue, blue. Yeah, yeah. The, have you ever seen the artwork on that card? It's it's awesome. Yeah. It's it's a giant like Polar Kraken thing, like hitting an iceberg and like trying to eat these polar bears. And these polar bears are like standing their ground and like trying to fight it. And they are pissed <laughs> or whatever. So the artwork you is don't great. Want, you don't you know? want to fuck with polar bears. They will eat yeah. you. Like they will literally eat you. They'll like. The mantra for, like, when you encounter a bear is, like, you know, a, a black bear, like, y- you can maybe scare off. They're a little bit smaller. So it's, like, you know, stand up tall and, and try to intimidate it. Grizzly bear is, like, run and pray. And polar bear is, like, if you see if you see a polar bear, you're dead. Get, game over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're just done. Like, <laughs> I don't know where this came from, but, yeah, yeah, the, the polar bear. Yeah, we're talking about bear attacks. But I was also excited because, like, Homelands and uh, Fallen Empires and the sets before this were so bad, right? Like, it, I, I want people to understand how bad these sets were just from, like, it, I mean, what, this is 94? So I was like 10 or 11, right? Because I was born in 1984. And so I'm trying to get people to, like, see it from my eyes, right? Because back then, like, you, you, the internet was a thing, but not really. Like, I didn't even have a computer in my house yet. Like, internet in the home was not a thing yet. So you couldn't go on, like, mythic spoiler or like twitter obviously and like see the spoiled cards so you had no idea right and the way to find out all the cards in a set would be like duelist which was a magazine that they published and that's how you got like card prices and like articles on magic because like you know there weren't websites and it would like tell you the names of all the cards in set but not necessarily what they all do right there was no like visual spoiler somewhere right i'm sure there might have been but i'm an 11 year old kid or 10 year old so i don't have my hands on this so I would just open a pack of Homelands, right? Or I'd open a pack of The Dark or, you know, whatever, right? And the pack would just suck. Like, there's no way to put it <laughs> The pack would just be horrible. If you ever, like, I know it costs too much to do it. Even now, those packs are still relatively cheap compared to, like, any other set that you, if you find sealed at the time. But, like, just go Google it, like, on YouTube and just go look for someone to open packs of Fallout Empires or, or The Dark and see the average card that's printed out of the set. So you open it and you're like, man, these cards just freaking suck. And then every now and then you'd get, like, one, right? You get, like, Order of the Ebon Hand. And you're like, okay, this card's actually pretty good. Or you get, like, Will of the Wisp or something like that. Or Autumn, uh, what was the Autumn card? Oh, um, Autumn Willow. Autumn Willow, like, one of the only good cards in the set, right? Yeah. And you'd be like, yeah, these cards are good, but, like, these are suck. But you had no frame of reference, right? So you'd be like, there's got to be good cards in this set, right? Maybe I'm just not getting them. Yeah, this is just this is just an unlucky pack, yeah. Yeah, because, like, you know, it wasn't like I could go buy a box. I was a kid. I was getting $2 a week for allowance. It was either get a comic book or get a pack of Homelands and Alliances and then maybe trade some cards with my friends, you know? 
and like you had to do this and it's just like you're like oh maybe i'm just missing it here but ice age actually had some good cards in it the, the card that i went after the, the hardest after getting skilled where i mean could never get when i was a kid and wanted all the time was jester's cap i wanted a jester's cap really bad because like how broken was jester's cap i get to look at my opponent's deck and then take cards out of it like how does that not just win the game on the spot ross <laughs> yeah, they won't have their best cards yeah, they won't have their best cards. and Or if they anteed up their best cards and they don't have that one or whatever. That was so. one of the marquee cards in the set, too. Mm-hmm. Also, the artwork. I mean, like, come on. Yeah. There is there is some iconic artwork from back in the day. Like, I still own some really old OG, like, IC manipulators. Like, you know, the ones where yeah. he's, he's holding yeah. the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You and, I, like, you and I both do the exact same thing. They can't see us yeah. or whatever, but we're holding the, the little the little globe. It looks uh, like... Um, Palantir. Yeah, if you look at, like, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings and Sauron yeah. has the, the, the all-seeing it's eye. It's called the Palantir. Is that what it's called? Okay, yeah. the Palantir. Okay. And so, like, they have that. It's, like, just, like, some... Uh, you assume a wizard holding this ball or whatever. And it's it's really cool looking. So, the that's a good blast from the past. I'm trying to think if I have any other cool, like, antidotes for being a kid. Uh, I remember I was a big fan of the card Gabrielle Angelfire. And uh, I was going to say, you've, you've seen my wedding cake. You know, I was a big Back in Blackblade fan and all the, like, the cool comic book characters back then. Because they made comics on some of these stuff as well. Like, you know, we have novels now. They had cool comics. Back in the day for stuff. What are you looking up right now, by the way? You look so interested. I'm making sure I was right about a Palantir. But well, of course you are. You, yeah. you, you gotta go check your notes. Yeah, of course, Ross. I, would, anyway. I guess I didn't, I didn't realize that that was specifically a Lord of the Rings term. Oh, is it? That's what I thought. Is, is it just he gave it a name? So it Because here, here's, yeah. here's the thing Tolkien literally spoke a lot of things into being. Yeah. I mean, he, like, invented all the languages in Middle yeah. Earth. He went, he was... That is a thing people don't know, is uh, he actually invented the Elvish language. And you can, do you know that is a college course you can take? I think a school in Louisiana, a university in Louisiana offers it as a language you could take. Because he was a, uh, like, a linguist or whatever in the in the army. And so he had, like, a lot of, I, I'm going to butcher this, but, you know, he's very good at languages and stuff. You know, that was, like, his thing. And so when he wrote this book, he created a language. Anyway, that's your that's your history lesson for history lesson from Lord of the Rings and magic kind of they go together. Normally the lessons come from me, but I guess uh, we're doing things backwards today. Hey, I it, know it some April, stuff. It is April Fool's Day, so it is April Fool's Day. Also, like it didn't involve math, so it's okay that, that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed to I'm allowed to talk. Look, I know some stuff. I'm not a complete idiot. Okay, just I just play one on TV. Right? <laughs> you you have your moments. I have my I have my like. I describe myself when it comes to stuff like that in the way that I play magic, right? Like overall, you would watch me play and you'd be like, how does this guy ever win? Like, and then you just have these, and then you see me make this one play, this like amazingly lucid moment where I make the greatest play of all time. And you're like, like uh, when Ruben Bressler was doing coverage for, for Star City Games, he, he put it very eloquently once. He was like, Tannen Grace will win unwinnable games of magic, but he will lose unlosable games of magic. And I'm like, yep. That's me. Like, I will make the biggest bonehead mistake ever, but I will also find this super convoluted, ridiculous line and just be like, oh, yeah, 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 I got it. Like, you used to joke about all the time, you know, you'd be sitting next to me and you're like, well, Tannen lost or whatever, and then I'd be like, yeah, I got that one or whatever. Oh, yeah. That, that one time that happened just like four times in a day. And I'm just like, I, I don't know how he does it. Just that stupid Grixis Delver deck just couldn't ever lose. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you this. It was, it was a lot of the deck and a lot of luck. But yeah. there was some skill involved. Look, to give myself a small pat on the back, you have to. It's the thing that people talk about, like a poker. You create your own luck. Like I believe in luck, but not in the way that the general public defines it. Like 
I feel a lot of times that when good players get lucky, they deserve it. Even though I hate that word, they deserve it more than the average person because they put themselves in a position to A, get lucky and B, capitalize it on it. Capitalize on it the most possible. Does that make sense? Am I saying it? Oh, yeah. Kind of? No, it's 100% true that, like, you know, the, you, you, the, the way that you be lucky is to just put yourself in those positions and, and, like you said, capitalize on them. So people who do that more often are going to appear luckier because they just, they're going to have those things happen more often because they have more opportunities. That's just, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, because, like, you know, you, you can't rely on, and, and like, I, I mean luck is in, like, the people that, they sit back and hope something good happens. That, that 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 that's a possibility. You know, you have an uncle you never knew of randomly die, and you inherit ten million dollars. So you're like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm very lucky. Yeah, that's great. But then there's the people that put themselves in good positions. There's a reason why people who are like hard workers generally have stuff work out more than people who aren't, and it's not because it's their lucky. It's like they took more chances, and eventually one of them will work out. <laughs> like, yep. you know what I mean? When it comes to you know managing variance, one of the best things you can do is just give yourself more opportunities. Yeah, like a lot of people talk about it, you know, with, you know, my poker background, they're like, you know, how did, you, the main question is like, you make money at that? I'm like, yeah, like, you know, like the easiest way to kind of convey it to some people, I'm like, it's kind of like trading stocks and like, you know, you just, you diversify your portfolio as much as possible and some hit and some don't, like whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, uh, this is kind of a math thing for you. Please don't, uh, just destroy me too bad when I when I butcher this or whatever because I'm not the math guy you are but like it's just isolated incidents of statistical variance over and over and over and over and over and over again but if you always put yourself in a position where you're like 55 to like 65 percent of favorite if you do this hundreds of times a year you're gonna make money you know you so you just and you just always put yourself that's how casinos make money yeah they're at like 53 percent, and they're doing it billions of times a year yeah like you cannot beat a casino it's not possible like there's vegas was not built on winners <laughs> like <laughs> there's a reason this, and there's did you know that i hate gambling i actually just don't enjoy uh like floor games you know like I, i'll say this if you know me and the if me and the boys are out one night like having a few drinks and they want to like you know, throw dice or like play craps or play some blackjack. Like, yeah, like I'll go put a hundred bucks on or whatever and just mess around. You know, any amount yeah. that I'm like, I can afford to lose this while like, you know, I have oh, a yeah. job. Or no, that, that's what I, that's my philosophy too. Yeah. And get free drinks and stuff. Right. Because if we go out, like that's going to, I'm going to spend that on drinks and having fun anyway, you know, and stuff or whatever. So it's like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cost. And then, Hey, if you went a little bit back, fine, you break even. That's a, that's a great night. But like at poker, you're not playing against the house besides like the rake they take out of the pot, you're playing against other people who are probably not as good at arithmetic as you are. And that's like the, the most basis, easy way that I can put it. And yeah, you're kind of taking advantage of people. That's like one of the reasons I've kind of moved away from the game is like, it does feel bad after a while. You know, when you think about it, like if you go down to the brass tacks of it, like you're literally just taking advantage of people and you're at, you're contributing net zero to society. In fact, you're probably contributing negative in a lot of ways. Not to take anything away from some people, there's some people who contribute a lot to society. Me, I was not, and I didn't like that. You know, it's like one of the reasons I, I said, it's really funny that I'm saying this because I've never actually like talked about this out loud. Like, like a lot of people talk to like about it, they're like, yeah, why don't you play poker anymore? Like, oh, the game passed me by, like blah, blah, blah. I wasn't studying the, the amount that I was. That's all true. But like, I also started thinking about like my footprint, my footprint on the planet. I don't mean my carbon footprint. I mean like the things I leave, like my legacy, you know, kind of stuff. And I'm not going to lie, it really ramped up when I started getting serious with Natalie, because people would be like, so what do y'all do for a living? 
and I'd be like, oh, I, I play video games and play poker and like play magic. And they'd be like, what does she do? And I'm like, she's literally changing the world for better. You know, like my wife is out there like actively trying to make things better for other people. So like if you had like the, the like, like uh, did you ever watch The Good Place? I have not, but I've been told to. It's very, very good. Um, in it, you have like a point system where you go to the good place or the bad place. This is without me running anything. And so like her net points would be like very high. Right. And mine at best would be like very neutral. He's <laughs> like, I'm actively like not doing anything that's good, you know, kind of stuff. So it's like I felt like I needed to contribute more and like try to be more of a uh, a real boy is the joke I used to always make, you know, kind of thing. But anyway, I don't know how we got on this. I mean, we're really bad about the tangent thing. No, we're good. This is a, this is like an average length of yeah, yeah, know, yeah. But I mean, like show. people have come to expect it and love it by now, I'm sure, or just hate it and probably listen even more because they it's the it's the Howard Stern thing. You know, when he was getting really big, there was this quote, and I'll never forget it. And it was like the average Howard Stern listener listens for uh, the average Howard Stern listener who enjoys him listens for an hour because they quote want to see or want to what hear what he has next? to say next. This is from Private right? Parts. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a direct quote from the person or whatever that the, the person was there. And then the they were like, the average Howard Stern hater listens for two hours because they, quote, want to hear what he has to say next kind of thing, you know? So it's just like that kind of stuff. But um, so, yeah, all the haters out there, this is for you kind of stuff. But uh, so how has uh, quarantine life been for you lately? Have you had anything fun that you've been up to? You doing you doing anything cool out of, out of the usual? Not really. I'm just hanging out. Streaming, watching streams, have a few drinks at the end of the day. I have noticed that you and I's uh, taste in streams is very similar. That like I'll just like I'll be in one for hours, all of a sudden you've popped up in the chat, and I noticed that you've just been there for a while too, or something. I'm like, oh okay, Ross is in this stream too, or whatever. Um, uh, I was gonna say we we've been um, trying to do some different stuff. Like I've been trying to exercise almost every day. I didn't do it yesterday. Uh, I need to do it today. But we're also gonna like bake bread sometime soon for the first time like neither one of us has ever made bread before but we got a nice uh a nice recipe for bread one of my uh one of my friends miss holly black uh she tried it out uh, a female magic player from texas who i uh i play a lot of video games with i'll get to that in one, one second but she she has a, a recipe for good bread that uh doesn't need kneading you don't have to do any kneading for the bread as, at, at all which is nice because like less work is is great for me let's be real also I have carpal tunnel. My hands are shit. I don't want to have to do any of that stuff if I don't if I don't have to. And uh, she sent pictures of it afterwards, and it looks amazing. So I am uh, super excited. But uh, it's really funny. I've been hanging out with her and other Magic players quite a bit online, but we haven't played or talked about Magic almost at all because we're uh, it's like the group that we got together to play Overwatch. But we've been playing a lot of uh, the new Call of Duty thing. It's called Warzone, and that game's like a lot of fun. Um, it's interesting for me because it's a it's a type of game that I've played my whole life and been pretty good at. You know that I was like a competitive video game player when I was younger, and boy was I bad at this game at the beginning of it. And I'm still pretty bad, but I'm less bad now. And you know me, I don't like being bad at something, so I've been putting way too many hours into this, getting better at it. And Ross, it sucks to suck. <laughs> I really, really don't like it. Yeah, there are, there are very few things that I enjoy despite being bad at them. I've ever thought about me with sports. I'm like at least average at most of them, you know, just because like I understand like what you're supposed to be doing, you know, like you, you have an understanding of the game. It's easier for you. To, you don't have to rely on just physical ability. You know what I mean? Like you can be yeah. smart with it too. I just suck at tennis. I don't get tennis. I can't get the footwork down, which doesn't make sense to me because I can do all the other sports where the footwork is complicated. I just can't be good at it. And so you know what? 
I don't fucking play tennis, Ross. I just stay away from it. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Tennis is great. I mean, I would obviously go play with you if you wanted to it's play. It's the In sport fact, I'm best at. Yeah, which is why. <laughs> another reason. That's another reason I don't want to play it. I just want to be better than you and all the other stuff. But uh, I actually need to find... I don't think... I, don't, I have no idea where it is. I used to own tennis stuff. I, don't, I used to have like a racket and some stuff, but... I, I, have, no uh, I, I have some wooden rackets for you. Uh, I am not John McEnroe. I do not need a wooden racket. Have you ever tried playing tennis with a wooden racket? Is it really hard? It is so hard. The you know the the frame is a lot smaller, and so you have a very small sweet spot. But when you hit it, the sweet spot it feels awesome. But the thing is just so heavy. Like you have to have perfect form for it to work. It, it really oh god it, it is. It you is. know what this you know this reminds me of you're like giving me like almost a deja vu moment. You've played golf, right? Yeah, a couple times. So when I was younger, um, I took golf like very seriously. Like when I was high school, you know, I practiced every day, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I was part of a you know state championship team, et cetera. Like played a lot. Um, when uh, when my father passed away or whatever, we went through some of his stuff, and we found his golf clubs from like I don't know, maybe the '60s, maybe the '70s or '80s. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have the date of these right, but they were, you know, uh, the the driver and you know, uh, any of the other clubs like that were wooden, right? The, the head of them were literal wood and the irons are still metal, but their blades, they were like, a, they were a nice set too. They were like Titleist and everything, you know, like a brand name, but they're blades. And for people who aren't initiated, so in golf, like your main clubs, right? They're very forgiving, right? They, they make them pretty big and thick. So like the, the sweet spot's bigger. It's more forgiving. The center of gravity is lower. So like it helps you pick the ball up off the ground. It's just more forgiving and it, it makes the game easier. The more advanced you get, the smaller generally the the club gets in, in certain areas, and the sweet spot gets smaller because you don't need this this big area that's forgiving. But if you make it smaller, it's usually more efficient, right? And so most pro players back then they use what, what are called blades because the club looks like a fucking blade, right? It, it's like it's like a razor compared to like the giant head of the club that you know I would be using, right? And here's the thing: if you don't hit it perfect, that ball's not going anywhere. But when you hit it right, holy crap! It feels like you're not even touching a ball, and then that thing goes. And it's beautiful. Trying to learn to play the game on those, not a good idea. D- definitely don't recommend it. So I, w- I would recommend playing old-timey tennis with the wooden rackets. Yeah. We need to get out there. I would get a, um, the pair of socks that go up to your knees. I'd get those, <laughs> get like a headband or whatever. Maybe they wore the wristbands, but like on the elbows or whatever or something, right? <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like um, the old school look they had, you know, like the their their hair all puffed up with the stuff. And you're trying to look like uh like Borg. He's got he's the one with the long flowing hair. I mean, I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. That's 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 my uh that's gonna be my Halloween costume later this year. It was Bjorn Borg. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> let's let's assume we could leave our houses at that point. Yeah. I, you know, it's certainly not a. It's gonna be kids guaranteed. at corners yelling trick or treat and all of us throwing candy at them so so they don't, they don't come into our yards. <laughs> kind of stuff but Everything all right just... let's uh let's talk a little bit about magic we can kind of circle back to the actual important stuff later but let's talk a little bit about magic uh there I were guess, three tournaments we uh that we can that we're gonna focus on from this weekend for pioneer um mostly because some cool stuff happened i i gotta tell you i was looking at these results and like, i i'm just floored i think i know what happened i think i know what happened ross we were talking about this i think the quarantine is getting to people right <laughs> they have more time on their hands they got more they got more time to play magic and they're like dude i want to have some fun you know like i want to do some different stuff because like 
So we're not really gonna like focus too much on like, you know, this deck did well and, and that deck did well, or like this was a good week to be playing Inverter, this was a bad week to be playing Mono White, because there was not a lot of Mono White winning in these tournaments, I'll say that yeah. uh, overall. But we're gonna definitely gonna take a look at some of the different decks that showed up and what we like and don't like about these decks and like some of the cool things that happen. Because, you know, we kind of been going over the good decks a, a good bit in uh, on the show lately, and I kind of want to highlight some of these really cool things that are going on. So let's go ahead and start with, since there were two super qualifiers, let's start with the challenge, since that one was a little bit different. And, you know, if you look at first place, it looks like just a deck that's been good forever. It's just mono black. You know, we've seen that forever. But what about this second place list, Ross? Well, it looks pretty close to, like, sort of normal Sultai, but got a little bit of spice here mm -hmm. and it's particularly interesting when you look up a little bit and you look at the name there of who played yeah. it oh uh, is that is that who is is that reader rabbit yeah who's that <laughs> that would be reed duke oh so so they're pretty good yeah and no did you know mid-range specialist really <laughs> aficionado so, yeah yeah mid-range aficionado and uh you know i noticed really two things about the deck the first is that you don't see a lot of singletons here. So those Traverse, like, doesn't really care to have this tutor package. It's just using Traverse more as a value card. can still find, you know, a bunch of different things. But only if there's a, a singleton walking ballista, that's the only singleton in the deck. So clearly Reed, not a fan of some of the weird one-offs that you often see. Things like Hostage Taker. No Ishkana. Um, yeah, Ishkana and, and that kind of stuff. So just not really messing around with that. Just p playing a more uh, streamlined list. Um, which I kind of like. And then a little bit of spice at the end with these two copies of Atris Oracle of Half-Truths. Yeah. Which, you know, is a pretty sweet card. <laughs> like To me, when I look at this deck, I see that, and I see the two Ashiok Nightmare Muse main as well, which is something that you don't always see. I feel like he put an emphasis on value in this deck and, like, grinding a little bit more than average. And this is a deck that already, like, grinded really well. So the, yeah. like these are maybe cards that help out a lot in the mono white matchup, you know, a deck that like had kind of risen up and kind of, you know, being able to go toe to toe with this kind of deck because that's the thing is that if you're gonna play this deck and there's another mid range deck that out mid ranges you, that this is not a good spot to be in. So like maybe that's what he's he's trying to do here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, trying to gear up for that matchup for mirrors for uh, inverter definitely seems to be a little bit less concerned with beating aggressive decks. You know, address is pretty embarrassing against wild slash. Oh, explain. Uh, <laughs> and the curve's a little bit higher here, so uh, I think that you, you can see where he was going with everything. Um, and I think given, you know, the metagame I would have expected going into these events, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, you know, we don't see a lot of Sultai online. I think part of it is due to the deck's expense, which is something we've talked about. But another part of it is this deck is supposed to be pretty bad against Mono White. Uh, and I think while Mono White has been sort of the top deck the last couple of weeks, people were shying away from Sultai. We've seen a, a little bit more Sultai this week because I think the metagame is properly, you know, adjusted for Mono White. These Ashiok is kind of the the key card. It's just awesome against them. You know, you, you get to you know, make a bunch of 2-3s, which are surprisingly good against a deck that plays a lot of 2-2s. Two it has a uh, lot of 2 power creatures. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then the the minus 3 ability lets you deal with a lot of their troublesome permanents. You know, it was, it was particularly important out of Inverter, where, you know, they don't really have answers to enchantments, and, and the Ashiok can. Um, but, you know, does, certainly does things here and uh, complements your Abrupt Decays nicely uh, out of the Sultai deck. So I, I kind of expected this 
to be the model for Sultai moving forward, especially with the Reed's name attached to it. Yeah, uh, of course. But yeah. I think the, the list makes a lot of sense. Um, though we do see a good number of aggressive decks in these top eights, so that might need to adjust back a little bit. Yeah, or maybe like, you know, change up the sideboard a little bit to have just more answers in that kind of matchup. I mean, it's still a deck that has removal spells like four Fatal Push, and uh, he has four Uro in this deck, like really making sure that happens. So like, maybe that's a concession to kind of making that, and he's got two Abrupt Decay main. So like, if you draw that half of the deck, you know, you might still be okay in those matchups. But if you draw too many Ashoks or whatever, that matchup, you're going to get run over for sure. So definitely agree with you there. Um, and like you said, it's got Reed Duke's name on it. So people are going to stand up and you know, take a look at this, right? Like that's whenever Reduke plays a mid-range deck and does well in a tournament, it 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 gets a little more attention than the average player. You know, if you or I did well or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next list that we wanted to kind of take a, a look at, and this was almost like a new archetype or just like, you know, we, we haven't seen decks really like this too much since the initial foray into the format. Like this was really popular for the first couple weeks of Pioneer. And this is a Gruul deck. It came into fifth place here, but the card that I'm excited about, there, it's only a one of in the main and a one of in the sideboard, but this is a card that we've been seeing taking off a little bit in standard, a little bit in modern, and now it's starting to come into to Pioneer a little bit because I'll say this, every time I've played against it, it's been impressive and more powerful than I initially thought. And that's Clothis, God of Destiny. Yeah, no, uh, we, on Versus Live, Corey and I played with a bit with Clothis, and we're definitely impressed with it then. It hasn't really done much in Standard just because there's not a deck around it, um, but I, I'm not surprised to see it start, you know, making its way into Pioneer. The, you know, the it's really hard to deal with. It's actually, like, even if you don't turn it on, it's still just clocking them. Uh, with that ability, it fixes your mana a little bit, though once you've cast a red-green card, you probably don't need the, the mana fixing, but just acting as a, a little bit of graveyard hate, too, is really nice. Like, it can tag Uros, it can, you know, make Dig Through Time harder to cast, um, and just l- little things like that that, uh, you know, makes it a, a really nice one of. You definitely don't want to draw multiples, um, especially in, in this Gruel deck. We're going to see some other Gruel decks in the... Uh, super qualifiers but this one definitely has a harder time turning on you know there's not really a uh, a commitment to any sort of devotion theme here this is really the we saw like you said we saw this deck sort of in november back when uh, once upon a time was still legal and uh, the you know mana creature decks were everywhere this is one version of it just basically trying to go mana creature into rabble master or war boss uh you know on turn two you you know your collected companies are obviously great and then those cards are really good with ember cleave um, so a lot of good synergy going on in this deck, but the real issue for Gruul has been, you know, it's sort of an issue for every, um, friendly color deck is the mana base where you have to play shit like Game Trail and Rupton Crag when you just want to be playing Copperland Gorge and Carpalusen Forest. I was um, going to point out to you, Ross, that I was like, there's four Game Trail in this deck. And this is one of the decks that like, if they ever get around to doing what you and I think is going to happen eventually in this format, where they just give us Corporation Forest in the format somehow, be it like Pioneer Masters or it gets printed into Standard or something, say, in the near future, I, I expect it to happen in the next like 1.5 years that maybe we get the kind of like fixed uh, mana base for everybody. You know, it's kind of like everyone's on equal footing. But this is a deck that you definitely need to look at. But when I look at Clothos, I've heard a lot of people compare it that like, it sort of feels like DRS, you know, Deathrite Shaman a little bit in the way that it affects the game, the things that it does. And like, obviously it's not as busted because it's not a one drop, excuse me, and stuff like that. But 
when I played against it, it's like what you said. I was I was playing an Uro deck, and I was like, this card sucks. <laughs> like, it's just, like, holding down my Uro is so bad. Like, I couldn't get an Uro into play. Like, I would just put it in my graveyard. They would just eat it immediately. I was, like, getting clocked by it, taking two life. Or, like, the turn that mattered, it just gave them extra mana, too. You know, and I was like, this is really annoying, and the card was really good, and, like, I couldn't interact with it. And I was like, this is really stupid. Like, this is actually, it's just been very impressive to me, because when I first read it during the spoiler, I was like, eh, meh. You know, yeah, like, yeah, I agree. I, I had the same reaction. It doesn't read that impressively, but, uh, you know, just draining them for two every turn or making a mana and getting some graveyard hate and, you know, occasionally it attacks for four. Uh, you know, it all adds up to something that definitely works really well. It's a hit off, another hit off collected company, which is really nice here. But um, I think the this, like, Rabble Master plan is really good against Inverter. I don't know how this deck would do against Mono White. Mono White has a lot of good blockers for what they're doing, um, but you can just run them over on the play with a fast draw for sure. Um, but I, I imagine this deck is pretty good against Inverter. You know, you don't have a lot of hate in the main for the combo, but I think you're really good against their, like, you know, just kill your stuff and draw cards plan. Uh, your threats line up well against their removal. Um, you know, you have Embercleave to finish or attack through the, the Inverter itself, so... Um, I just this mana base is so bad. <laughs> when <laughs> I when love you had once upon I... a time, you could get away with it. You know, you would like dig for stomping ground a lot. But this mana base is so bad. I look just for everybody at home. So Ross and I, when we record these, you've heard me mention it. We've even mentioned on the show. I can see Ross during the shows, right? It helps me, you know, talk to him more. You know, my hearing problem, whatever, blah blah blah. But I can just see him reading this list, right? And he's, like, trying to say nice things about it because we like it or blah, blah, blah. And I can just see him. He just keeps looking to the side. I can see his eyes just keep going back to Game Trail and just hating himself the entire time. He's, I saw it, like, build up. Your face literally, like, I watched the red in it, like, get higher and higher. Almost like a meter, you know, like, like the temperature. <laughs> I just watched it get higher and higher. And you're just like, but these freaking Game Trails. <laughs> I was watching uh, Todd Anderson stream the other day. And he was playing with this deck. And there was a game where he literally had two game trails, two Rupert Craigs, and just played four Gruel Guild Gates. I think he still won, like because the deck is quite powerful. Um, but it's just just embarrassing. Just play so, what is it? Rugged Prairie at that time, the Red Green Tap Land that gains a life. Like let's at least get some value. Yeah, well, yeah, at least get some life out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I guarantee you, literally the the first thing I'm doing when they print either friendly colored fast lands or friendly colored. Painlands is building a Gruel Aggro deck. There's a lot of powerful Gruel cards. I think that like the decks are good. They're just inconsistent because of their mana. Um, so you know, even just one of those, I think, would be enough. You know, you, you can just get away with playing like four Rubon Crag and four Stomping Ground. Just don't don't make me play Game Trail. Yeah. So I think like the the message around this all the way is that I think this deck is powerful. You think this deck's powerful. I think it's cool. You think it's cool. There's a lot of people at home and a lot of fans of this kind of deck. And this is great. You need to understand what you're getting into when you play this deck with this mana base. It is going to lose you a game at some point, or it's going to infuriate the hell out of you at some point. And you need to understand that going in, or it's going to really sour you on the deck real quick because you weren't ready for it kind of thing. So just know what you're signing up for. I think that's like the the last deck I really wanted to talk about of the Pioneer Challenge. You get moving on to the, the Super Qualifier because... You didn't want to take a look at this 8th place Golgari deck? Oh, sure, Golgaria. Okay, I definitely... Okay, let's talk about this first a second. We're looking at a straight Golgari list. got 8th uh, place of one of my favorite handles on Magic Online. This is a big-time grinder. Edward 40 hands. 
Uh, Google it. We're not going to explain this one. Just Google it. Have, you'll understand. Have, have you ever played? I have not. Okay. I've, I've done the... I've tried to do it, but I haven't done the physical part of it where you tape it to... You know what I mean? I haven't done the ridiculous part where you tape it to your hands. I'm sure you have. I played it. I played in college. Yeah, I'm sure you have. This seems like a Ross kind of thing to do. Me, I have self-respect, and I'm not stupid. So... Well, those are both questionable. But anyway, you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, have, I have none of those. So, yeah, we, we snapped it off one evening. It, yeah. was, uh, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Did you literally tape them to your hands? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, you're so ridiculous. All right. Anyway, uh, it's your typical black-green deck with four Thoughtseize, three Traverse, a bunch of Fatal Pushes, and those kind of cards. But you're looking at, you know, it's a four Seder Wayfinder deck, but there's no Uro in this list. So... I wonder if this person was just trying to save the the, the money on Uro, you know, the, the $400 or whatever of not playing Uros, or they really think the Golgari version might be better, but you're looking at, this is kind of the opposite look of what, like, Reed was trying to do, and the fact that this deck has a lot of one and two ofs, and a lot of cool things to go get. Like, you're looking at, there's, like, two Nissa Vasswood Seer in here, a very favorite card of a lot of people. There's, like, a Pelucranos Unchained, a Questing Beast. There's one Scrap Heap Scrounger. Ross, like, come on. One Scrap Heap Scrounger? I know you have four Seder Wayfinder, but, like, <laughs> there's one Tassiger, one Thrashing Bee, one Walking Ballista. Like, there's some... This deck's all over the place. It is kind of all over the place. Uh, like, I like I, it. I, I'm pretty medium on it. I just, I don't really see the... Where is the benefit for not playing Uro? Four hundred dollars. Such a messed up card. Three hundred fifty dollars. Supposed to be a budget deck. You know, cool. I love me some Nissa Seer. Yeah, you do get to play Field of Run. I don't know if that matters in this format at all. This isn't modern. You know, there's no yeah, Tron. Like the, but... People aren't playing a lot of, of cool non basics that you want to hit. Yeah. Like this deck has three Field of Run, a Blast Zone, and two Hissing Quagmire. You know, lands that we don't see a ton of in this format. So they do get a little bit of uh you also get to play like three fabled passage because you're playing a lot more basics in your deck. And this makes your tireless trackers better, which you see two of copies here in the main. So uh maybe. Yeah. I also can't imagine that you want all of these singletons. Though, like the the Tasker, the Questing Beast are fine cards to draw. Like it, I guess you've got a thrashing brontodon in case you want to like blow up artifacts and enchantments, you know? But it, it just seems... And the, the one Scrappy Scrounger, that's the one that re is really getting me. What, what? Like, do you just want another artifact creature? Is it better than just playing a second Ballista? You get you get some value off of it with, you know, Scrap Heap Scrounger... I'm sorry, with uh, Seder Wayfinder and you're milling with Tassiger and stuff. And, like, it helps like you kind the, of... That's not the value this deck is interested in. You don't I want agree. a 3-2 that can't block in your right. mid-range deck. I agree. Uh, the, the, the Scrounger is super questionable to me. But this is, like... I, I just, I can't get behind not playing Uro. That card is so messed up. Yeah, but if you like mid-range creature decks that do things, maybe not great things, but do things, for sure. This is a deck for you. So, and then if we, like, I kind of bury the lead here, if you move over to the, the, the Super Qualifier, the first one we're going to look at, it was also won by uh, by Soltai, but this is, like, a much different version than Reed's, other than, like, it does have four Seder Raider, it does have four Uro, but we're looking at all the one-ups. You know, we've seen and talked about these decks a lot, um, the deck that you and I kind of wanted to look at that's a little bit different. Um, there's a mono red list that did well here in third. And I know we kind of highlight these whenever they happen because they're a little few and far between. But this is kind of like what you were talking about with like Reed's version, right? Like Wild Slash is an all-time low in this format. You know, we went from it being one of the most played cards, just shock, some form of shock. 
was super played at the beginning of the format, then now you almost never see it. So playing a 3-2 for 4 mana is okay. You know, but if, if decks like this get popular, you're going to have to change up the Sultai decks quite a bit. Oh, I, I agree. But the, the Atris seems... It seems really good at... The, the body's also really good at pressuring Planeswalkers, and that's going to be important because everybody's got these Ashiaks now. And, like, you know, Inverter has Jaces, and your, the Mirror has, you know, Jaces, and Nissa and, and stuff like that. So um, Atris strikes me as quite good. The one thing... I, I've actually noticed, looking at the both Reed Soltai list and the winning list from the qualifier, you don't see Emrakul. So, nobody's really... Nobody's playing that really go way over the top endgame card. Yeah, that robust um, in the game thing. Yeah, well, There's a Scarab God in the version of this winning disc. I've got to believe that you probably don't want both of those in your deck. They're both like extremely mana-intensive, and they both usually... If you get to use them, the game is probably over. But I, I like the idea of Scarab God and he's like mid-range because this format's a lot like modern, right? There's a lot of mid-range going on. Can you imagine Scarab Godding your opponent opponent's Uro? Yeah. I'm in. So and it makes sense, right? Like if you know, if you if you, you want, you know, a card that you can traverse for in the late game that's gonna take over. And Emrakul is an obvious choice, right? But Emrakul languishes in your hand early. Um uh, and you know, it, it's castable when you ha when the deck was playing multiple Nissas, but like Reed's list isn't playing Nissa, it has Ashiok. This list has one Nissa because it's playing one Ashiok in the main. So you're just not getting that huge uh, mana engine going late in the game uh, anymore. And so, you, you know, you don't want the card that's going to sit in your hand when you draw it early if the Scarab God is going to be just as reliable at taking over the long game. And it can also just get like cast on turn five and, and do some things. You know, just be be a relevant piece of cardboard before turn ten. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, I do think this deck is a little bit overboard in terms of its, uh, you know, uh, tutor package. The, like the I I get the Corsair crew fix is like an enchantment, so it helps with delirium, but it's an awkward one. Oh, like you're never you're never traversing for that card. Like the hostage shaker is good in certain matchups. I, I think that's a card I would sideboard. Um, you know, the Ishkana's fine. Obviously, Murderous Ride is great, so you can traverse for a removal spell. Um, I think Questing Beast is good now because there's, an, as I was saying, a bunch of Planeswalkers around. But uh, I think I would like to just see more Tireless Trackers. Tracker is such a messed up card, too. Uh, what is it? Jim Davis's quote is the, is the greatest card ever printed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and they're playing, you know, one main, one, one board. But um, just, you know, you don't, ha you don't have to play a million singletons just because you have three traverses in your deck. Yeah, you don't have to do that. It's not, not a thing that you have to do, exactly. So, um, they are decks that kind of call to me. I'll admit it, I do like that kind of magic. But usually I didn't have to play with it because we had Brennan on our team and he would play these decks and he would play them way better than I would. But I do like these things. And like you said, Uro is a messed up magic card. It is very, very powerful. And I think this is going to be... I think Uro is going to be a defining card in the format for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah, and you're going to see a lot of decks built around it or built with that in mind. Like you're seeing, like you said, the uh, the red-green god in some of these red-green decks. Like you get this little extra, you know, value out of it by taking some of your opponent's graveyard. And it's also a card that's just good for your deck main. So you're not losing a lot by interacting with their graveyard and stuff. And speaking of these red-green decks, this fourth place list from the Super Qualifier, I'm liking this one. This one's got some 
some hits in here and some popular cards that we haven't seen in quite a while. I'm gonna go through her name. Okay, so this is something I've been looking forward to. There's four Annex in this deck, which is something we haven't really seen a ton of in Pioneer. We just, there's obviously Embercleave because that combo is busted. There's Bowmat Courier for Burning Tree Emissary. I'm gonna skip over the next card because I want to go to this one. There's four Galia of the Endless Dance in this one. And I'm a big fan of this card. Ross is dancing, by the way. Y'all can't see this at home. He's got his little... Uh... Bailamos. Yeah, you look like you have maracas. <laughs> so this is great. And while this card is just good by itself, there are four Fire Drinker Satyrs in this deck. So this is really cute that like it does pump Fire Drinker Satyr so you can just attack for five on turn two, which is really good. Like That's a fourth of their life total on turn two. You're under, like, if someone goes Fire Drinker Satyr and you're like, tap land, go, or whatever, and they're like, attack you for five. You're freaking dead. Like <laughs> you, you need to interact, or you are dead. Then you like play a Jace on turn two, and they attack you for five again, and play an Annex, and like their Annex is, uh, you know, Annex. four power. And... Yeah, yeah. You're just in a lot of trouble if that happens. And then behind this, you're looking at three uh, Gore Clan Rampagers, another card that this card is just great. I, I'm surprised we've seen this little play of it in Pioneer. And then a card. Behind this is a four of that we haven't seen this one drop in quite a while. People are going to forget how good this one drop is. And it's just Rakdos Cackler. The old 2-2 for one. Just, you know, good solid card. Uh, and then the card that really gets people dead. My winning percentage against this card is very low. Ross, I've almost never beaten a Reckless Bushwhacker in my goddamn life. All right. If they surge that thing, I'm just dead. <laughs> or whatever. I love then, a Reckless Bushwhacker. Play that card at a Pro Tour. Yeah, they're rounding it out with Zergo Bell Striker. We talked about the Embercleaves. And then there's a four of in this deck that's another popular card that we thought would be more played and more prominent in this format. You know, it saw its time in the sun, even in modern. and definitely was really good in standard. And that's There's four Atarkas Command in this deck. This card is really powerful. I even saw you put a land into play with this card the other day on Versus Live. The, the often forgotten mode of the card. Yeah. But um, this is a card that's really, really powerful, especially when your deck has a ton of one and two drops that have haste. You can kill people out of board states out of nowhere with this kind of card. It gives your deck a little bit of reach and a little bit of other cool things. And the deck only has two game trail. <laughs> yeah, it's base. It's a mono red deck that's you know splashing uh, uh, Gallia, Tarkus Command, and Rampager. So only eleven green cards. Uh, and an emissary also like can sometimes help fix your mana. <laughs> yeah, Burning Tree emissary into Gallia on turn two. Like sign me up. By the way, yeah, this seems and super cool. With, with two mountains, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Like, finding any way to use the green mana that comes off Burning Tree Emissary. Like, if, if Burning Tree Emissary made two hybrid mana, made a red-green or red-green, this card would be busted, you know, because you could, like, finagle the mana a little bit better. But um, this is a deck that I'm actually super interested in, and I actually think this one has some legs, and not just because it has a bunch I of creatures attacking. This is my favorite deck from all across all three events. I think the, the list is really well put together. Um, you know, yeah, I, this is an archetype that I think is underexplored. Because Atarkus Command is a really powerful magic card, and there's plenty of you know good things to go with it. Annex is a great addition. Um, you know the, the mana is still an issue, but with keeping it to like a splash, you, you can mitigate it a little bit. Like you know, you only have to play two game trail. Um, I think Gorkland Rampager is a super powerful card and underplayed uh, in Pioneer. Um, and you know we we kind of got locked in early with mono red decks, starting with Swift Spear and. Um, Soulscar Mage. And one of the issues I've, I've had with Mono Red decks is there aren't a lot of great spells beyond Stomp, Wild Slash, and Lightning Strike. And so it's hard to have those cards consistently be really good because you just don't have the density of spells. But there is a high density of good creatures 
you know, Rakdos Cackler, Fire Drunk Crusader, Zergo Bell Striker. So we have 10, you know, two power one drops along with the Bomac Couriers. Uh, and we don't have to look into them. And, you know, I've been happier when my red decks are more creature heavy and less spell heavy. And that's what, the, you know, this version is doing, uh, albeit with a splash. And then Burning Tree Emissary is probably the most powerful card that hasn't really seen a lot of play in Pioneer. Uh, you know, that card is messed up. And it was, like, literally, you know, a dominant force in Standard for basically its entire time there, uh, at least in re in red decks. Like, no, re every red deck was Burning Tree Emissary. Um, so I, I'm, I think this deck is really, really sweet. Uh, you know, another cool thing about this deck, and, um, you know, I talk about this a little bit, overall, the price of this deck isn't super high. Um, there's a couple cards in here that are a little expensive, like Mana Con there's a Mana Confluence in it. I think you can get away with not playing Mana Confluence in this deck and not have a $30 land in your deck. You know, Stomping Ground has actually just consistently been at like $10 or more. Embercleaves aren't cheap. But when you look at the creatures in this deck, there's not a lot of, there's no mythics, right? And some of these rares are priced at the same price as like uncommon to common. So I, I was just looking on Goldfish to try to find the the price of the deck, but I would be surprised if this deck was more than like 200 and something bucks max. Um, and you might already own some of these cards because there's there's just not a lot of mythics in this deck. There's not a lot of things that are just super expensive in here. According to Goldfish, it is $72.50 online. I am actually just not surprised by that. Online, what's the paper? price 145 yeah let's say this is one of the decks that's going to be way different in paper yeah yeah. so 145 and that's if you don't own some deck. of these cards already if you're a red green mage you probably have play sets of some of this stuff yeah i already right. own the stomping grounds and the bomat couriers which are two of the more expensive hey, cards in the deck you're like halfway there i luckily still own bomat couriers i'm pretty sure because i try I, I got them and i was like oh this might be playable legacy when i was when uh when they banned drs and we were trying to find the replacement and yeah, we were real wrong about that one, Ross. <laughs> real, real wrong. But um, And then if you look at the sixth, fifth place list, so you're looking at third, fourth, and fifth in this tournament are all versions of mono red, right? You know, like the, the other one's red green, and we don't have to go over it because they look really, really similar, but I want to say that, like, this deck might be making a comeback. You know, we talked about it the other, we were looking at Reed's deck that, like, there's just not shock anywhere, and then immediately we look at this tournament, we're like, dude, there's just shock everywhere. Yeah, the, the results of these tournaments are all wildly different, which is yes. really strange. Um, but w once again, like the red decks look to be pretty creature heavy. You know, we're not playing. We're playing the twelve spells I mentioned and two Ember Cleave, but it's still starting the Soulscar Mage and Swift Spear. Like, um, you know, I'm not even sure if that's right when you're playing so few spells. Um, they're still fine cards, but I, I like the I like just like being more creature heavy. I think Torburn is great. That's definitely the best four drop. Mm -hmm. And that's like another reason that I'm really interested in the red green version, you know, the one you and I are talking about that we liked more is I find their one drops are better, right? Just on average, like you're looking at Zergo, Rakdos, Cackler, and Fire Drink Seder. And besides the synergies of Fire Drink Seder with Galia, but you're looking at two power more often. And you don't have to play uh, inefficient. You don't have to be like, all right, uh, throw the spell at your face, attack you, just to get the extra point of damage in. Your creatures are already two power. So I think on average, your creatures are going to be better in the red-green version, plus you have stuff like Gorklan Rampager to just make sure that you're winning combat and things like that. And like you're, you, you have a, I feel like the ceiling's higher with 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 the draws in this deck, and the and the average is a little bit higher with some of these things. So I think I like that version just a little bit better, like you're like you're saying. Yeah, um, no, I, I'm in for a Tarka Red, but the Mono Red deck, like, it does actually feel like we're starting to coalesce around a Mono Red list, right? Um, though, uh, like the, you know, if you look at the straight mono red decks, 
they're they're very similar. Are they exactly the same, actually? Uh, I think they were very close, if not exactly the same. I didn't check every single car, but they looked super, super similar. Their, their sideboards are different, but they might be on the, the exact same main deck. Yeah, yeah not, not surprised. The exact, exact same main deck, but different sideboards. So it, it's nice to see them finally like coalesce around a list that's been so long. But even, uh, unsurprisingly to me, like they're they're leaning more creature heavy. The like the everybody tried to build like a prowess deck early on, and it just doesn't work that well because the spells aren't good. <laughs> like I don't want to play Crash Through in my deck, and I don't want to play like all, all these mediocre cards just to make Soulscar and, and Swiss Spear a little bit better. Um, so you know, just, just play the good cards. You know, I feel like the exact same way, and you and I have this this the same thing like. It's kind of when you think about like Ryan Urterf playing the Red Prowess decks, and he always like grinds through removal and like does really well. Every time I put Crash through in my deck, I just draw three of that card and do literal nothing. Yeah, you like keep a hand with like two lands and three Crash threes, and then just draw like three more lands. Like, okay, well, we didn't stop keeping my, those. They hands. killed my one two. Yeah. I'm dead. Yeah, they killed my one two. They took four. Like I'm dead. You know, kind of thing. So, um, speaking of interesting decks and things that we haven't really seen much of, uh, the deck that won. The other super qualifier. Who boy. Uh, I was looking at this deck, right? And I got through the first like 10 cards in the deck. And I'm like, oh, this is a really interesting version of blue eye control. And then <laughs> I get into sorceries. So I'm like, there's four thoughts he's at this deck, Ross. This, this, this deck has got black in it. It's Esper. So we're looking at an Esper control list that is quite all over the place. You and I were having fun looking at the um, the one-ofs in this list. Um, like the one-of spells. You're looking at like a Yahini's expertise. Um, there's... A chart of course and a champion of wits in here, along with your drown in your drown of the lock deck and your hero's downfall, thirst for meeting, Veraska's contempt list. Talk about decks that are all over the place. Yeah, it's a little all over the place. Like I can see reasons for having these cards. Veraska's contempt, it's like, is there a reason to play this card over Eat to Extinction? Do you really want to gain the two life at the at the cost of having to have double black? Um This deck's cool. There's just a bunch of really random stuff in it. You and I both were kind of in- interested with the concealed courtyard uh, choice in the deck as well. Like, not sure about having this many come into play tapped lands because you're looking at like shambling vent, irrigated farmland, and fetid pools along with check lands like glacial fortress and stuff. And then, I mean, maybe this mana base works. Maybe that's one of the problems I've always had with Esper decks is your mana base is heinous in these decks. And very painful to be casting your cards on time. But I will say this, the deck looks super powerful. It does look like they've kept the white cards somewhat to a minimum. But there's a lot of double whites. You know, Supreme Verdict, all the Elspeths, um, and Elspeth Conquers Death. But um, the things that are getting me... Why is there a Champion of Wits here? And why is there a Charter Course? Well, there's a Charter Course so that on turn two... If you need to, you can draw some more cards and discard your Champion of Wits so that you can get it back later in the game. <laughs> there. I found it out. I figured it out, Ross. I am so smart. Like, they're playing one chart, of course, one Omen of the Sea, and I just don't understand why. I mean, I guess you also have the Elspeth, Sun's Nemesis. There's two of the escape ones, so you can pitch those with chart, of course. Uh, but this like, help fill your graveyard a little bit, yeah. Those are awkward with Omen of the Sea, but I guess Omen is better because you could bounce it with Teferi, Look, so you just be... want one of each because they're yeah. both slight, like better in narrow no, different exactly. scenarios. You also might want more enchantments for this Thirst for Meaning, but there's only one, so I don't really know. Yeah, it's like, why aren't you playing a second Omen of the Sea if you're playing thir- yeah, Thirst, but there's only one Thirst? See, here's the thing. Um, you and I have talked about this before. I'm, I'm a fan that if you're going to play decks with one-ofs, 
that are good in certain situations and not, you need a way to actually get some value from them in matchups when they're not good. And having some way to loot, like quote unquote loot, like search for Escanta or Champion of Wits or Charticorse, helps kind of filter that a little bit, right? It makes the, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, like, the fact that they're in your deck, it makes the, the, the bad part of it a little bit lower if you were to draw them in the matchups that are not good. You can at least get rid of it for some kind of value later in the game. You know, with Thirst for Meaning, Turtle Course, like discarding it to that, possibly. Yeah, no, I, that that makes a lot of sense. But then why, there's only one Turtle Course. Yeah. That's all you need, Ross. You only one. Yeah. The, I will say, a card I, I really like, after thinking about it, is Yehenny's Expertise. Okay. it plays really, really well with the three mana Planeswalkers, Teferi and Narset. Ooh. Ooh. Like, can you imagine, cat, like, sweeping your opponent's board and then casting a Narset off the same spell? Like, yeah. That's I'm filthy. In. That's just filthy. I'm in, Ross. That's, that's yeah. actually really, really cool. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of in for that card. I have played Yehenny's Expertise a decent bit in my time. It never works out like that. Oh, yeah. Never does. <laughs> I never have a good card to play off Yehenny's. Same <laughs> thing with my opponent. Every time my opponent's ever cast one of those cards, I'm like, dude, I'm about to get browned. They're like going to get this good effect from this card, and they're going to put in the worst possible for me. They're, they're like, cast it, and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, your things get minus three, minus three. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for the other card or whatever. And they're like, no, I'm like, I don't got anything. I'm like, oh. I forgot this card has other text. Because no one ever puts anything in. Did you notice that this is a 61-card list, too? I did not. I do now. So I, I just noticed it. Yeah, just whatever. all these one-offs, and they're playing perfect. 61. Okay. I, it's perfect. I, <laughs> um, I, I, I just... I can't. I can't countenance this. That just... Can't, you can't be doing stuff like that. You can't just put a, a Champion Wits into your deck and, and play 61. Hey, just you, not, well, you cut a card, Ross. It's not okay. <laughs> you figured it out. I, I'm. I was. I'm actually. I've been surprised how little Azorius control we've seen recently, because I think the control decks can be pretty well positioned. But, uh, you know, maybe you do need the good cheap removal like Fatal Push and Thotsies. Um. So uh, I'm. I'm happy to see a control deck do well. There's just. I got. I got some issues with this list though. Yeah. No. For sure. And speaking of wild lists that are kind of out there, this finals must have been a hoot, because the the second the place list is also. He's, First and second place are the same prize, and they both qualify. So I think oh, okay. I, don't, I don't think there's a difference between first and second. I think you're right, uh, but this is pretty cool. I was, man, I had the, a good joke lined up with the Spider-Man meme, you know, where you're, like they're pointing at each other and being like, <laughs> oh, you're playing a brew? I'm playing a brew, you know, kind of thing. Because <laughs> in second place, we see what looks like, I'm, 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 there's a caveat here, it looks like Mono Blue Devotion. But, I mean, it is but, Mono Blue Devotion. Well, sort of. It's got a little bit of a twist in it, right? It's got like a Risen Reef in it. Yeah, to combo with Master Waves. Yeah, and like that's just a cool thing, right? Like you're looking at a mono blue deck. We're looking at Brazen Borrowers, Gadwigs, Harbinger of Tide, Master of Waves, Merfolk Trickster, Arisen Reef, and Thassa's Oracle, and a couple spells kind of sprinkled in there with some Omens of the Seas. But like you're looking at the Master of Waves, Merfolk Trickster. I mean, sorry, the Master of Waves, uh, Risen Reef combo. But like this deck only has one Nykthos for us. What's going on? Yeah, I, I, I think this deck should be playing more copies of Nykthos and fewer copies of Mutavolt. Um because there's four you know, Mutavolts. Yeah, and I think people are just drawing the inspiration from the old Mono Blue Devotion deck in Standard, Theros Standard, and that deck was definitely more of a Mutavolt deck than a Nykthos deck. Um, but with once you put Gadwick in your deck, like you have this huge payoff off of Nykthos, um, you know, and this deck has some counter spells, so you want to like hold up mana after you're casting your stuff. Um, you've got some other mana sinks, uh, like Brazen Borrowers, multiple spells. Um, and Omen of the Sea, you know, sacrificing that stuff. So 
I definitely want to be digging for Nykthos pretty aggressively. Um, so that that's my one, you know, complaint about the deck. But other than that, this deck looks sweet. You know, I like for Ibnu Rivulet. It's really easy to just have four of that in your mono blue deck. Um, and it gives you a lot of added percentage against Inverter. Because your deck is really good. At, this deck has to be great at grinding through remo removal. And, you know, and you can turn the corner quickly if your Master always lives or if you cast it with a Counterspell up. Um, so dying to the, the fast combo is the most, um, you know, scary thing. So four Ibnu Rivulet really helps there against Inverter. Um, you know, the deck just is... You, you think of Mono Blue Devotion and you think of that old standard deck that was all... It was like, you know, Thassa, Master Waves, and then a bunch of, of shitters. But this deck is playing a lot of individually powerful cards. You know, Risen Reef is good. Uh, Murfolk Tricksters is a good card. Gadwick, Brazen Borrower, you know. Uh, so there, there isn't that same dynamic going on in this deck. Uh, and then you have the synergies on top of it. So I'm, I like this deck. This is a nice one. You, it doesn't take much to convince you to play, like, a weird blue creature tempo deck. I've oh, noticed. no, it does, it does not. <laughs> so, it's really funny I'm, to me I'm, that you're, I'm like... admittedly super, biased. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny to me that you're into these decks as you are, but, like, you can't... A, you A, won't play with, and B, just don't win with Delver decks. Like, I just don't understand. Like In, le in Legacy? Just in general. I've seen you try to play it in Modern and stuff, too, and you're just, like, you just hate yourself every time you register the card. Well, I mean, Delver's not good in Modern. And, yeah, I, I tried it once, yeah. and it didn't go well. It was really funny. Like somebody asked me the other day, it was like a like a during an AMA that we were doing on um on our Discord. Someone's like, "What cards would you unban in Modern and why?" And they were like, "What three cards?" And my answer, I think, was something like the first two answers were uh, Delver Secrets and Lightning Bolt. On like what cards I would unban in Modern, and they're like, "Those aren't banned." And I was like, "Are they? Either are they were legal?" And I'm like, "Are they? Are they legal?" Because I haven't seen them in you know <laughs> I don't know years. <laughs> you know, kind of thing or whatever. But and those are two cards I really like casting. I did have a lot of success playing Delver when it was yeah. standard, by the way. See, I I'm really mad at myself. I won an open. Yeah, I'm really mad at myself because I I didn't play it a lot when it was in standard. I kept trying to beat it, and then I played the blue-white deck that came after it, the Flash deck, and I'm just kind of... I just didn't know, man. I didn't... I wasn't... I wasn't... I hadn't found myself yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, you were a, di a different person back then. Yeah, yeah, I was we like, all, still... we all have those regrets that every yeah. every Magic player who's played for a long time will tell you a deck that like, God, I wish I had played that deck. Yeah, yeah, I didn't play fairies. That was always mine. There's that one, and then there's God, I wish I didn't play this deck. <laughs> I got a lot of those. Yeah. I got a lot of those, Tannen. Yeah, especially at, like big events like Pro Tours. You're just like, yeah, God, I really wish I would have been an idiot, just registered a good deck instead. You know, kind of thing, but. Um, speaking of cool decks and stuff that we kind of wish we had or hadn't registered, this fourth place list is another Gruul deck, but we're looking at another pretty different version. Yeah, this one is definitely, you know, straight Gruul, but it's more green heavy. Um, and instead of those red one drops, it's playing Experiment 1 and Pell Collector, Blah. which are kind of nice with Burn Your Tree Emissary, right? And especially when you have, uh, Voltaic Brawler and Zerta Goblin, which can, I guess, uh, wait... How is Riot worded? Uh, it comes into play, so it does. Yeah, yeah. It, it enters with the counter. So if you go, if you have a turn one experiment one or Pell Collector, turn two Burning Tree Emissary into either Goblin or Brawler, your one drop is now a three three attacking on turn two, which is really nice. Gruel Spellbreaker, Gore Clan, and Bone Crusher Giant all get them to four. So those cards do work really, really well in this deck. Those that's really nice for my opponents. It's never really nice for me because I never get to actually do that. <laughs> yeah. you, you heard me talking about this before. This we were talking about you know, doing our pre-show, 
and I hate the card Pelt Collector and Experiment one because they're always just so bad for me. I always lose because those cards are in my deck. I never win because those cards are in my deck. I understand that they're powerful and they're really cool in this deck. And the more that I see how this deck's constructed and the choice of the two drops and the three drops are actually very, very smart. You know, it's a lot of the three power two drops and a lot of the four power three drops, which just kind of fit your theme anyway, right? Like you're trying to get your opponent dead as quickly as possible of creatures. So this is actually just really good deck building. So I like it a lot. Um, I would definitely give this deck a chance and try it out. Again, we're seeing only two game trails, so they're only halfway wrong. Um, <laughs> so pretty sweet, but... I'm really excited about the fact that this has a uh, a two of in the Planeswalker slot. That is, this is a favorite of a lot of people who play Gruel decks, and this myself card was, included. I still own four. Yeah, this card was the bane of my existence as a blue white mage, and there's Domri Raid in this. Yeah. And this this card is like, I'm surprised this card hasn't shown up more in Pioneer because it's actually pretty powerful. It is quite powerful. Um, we've actually seen a little bit more of the new Domri. Um, than Domri Raid, which is unfortunate because I, I love me some Domri Raid. And, um, you know, it, it's obviously really good here. You've got some creatures that are pretty good at fighting, even early, uh, and that's important. And then the, I mean, the creature count is certainly high enough at 35. Uh, really cool with Bone Crusher Giant so that you can, like, draw removal spells with your with your Domri, which is awesome. I do think Domri is a lot worse in Pioneer than it was in its day in Standard because in its day in Standard, people just weren't playing cards that removed it from the battlefield. Like, and very few people um, had uh, Detention Sphere because they were playing like, the Flash style of control decks with Restoration Angel and, and Snapcaster and Augur of uh, Bolas. And so they just didn't want a three-mana sorcery. Um, so a lot of the times when you played a turn two Domri off, like, an Arbor Elf, it just wasn't dying ever. And, like, you, you actually got to ultimate it quite a bit. Uh, but there are just so many good answers to it in Pioneer with like Murderous Rider and Abrupt Decay, um, you know, just m more efficient burn. Um, so it definitely takes a big hit, but it works really, really nicely here. Uh, I'm going to echo you on Experiment 1 and Pell Collector. I don't hate these cards, but I've always found it really awkward to play eight of them. Uh, you just don't want to draw more than one in a game. Yeah, like they don't, they don't work well with each other, and you end up like, unless you have like the... The the nut draw of like experiment one pelt collector and dried militant and you get to just make three two power creatures on turn two um, and go from there. It can be really awkward to draw two two of these, but the first one is really good, especially experiment one, which like often just survives the supreme verdict and then just keeps getting leveled back up. Um, but I, I might trim on pelt collector because those cards have diminishing returns, and I also like dried militant quite a bit. Another card that like makes a row tough to bring back, you know, can makes dig through time awkward. It's very good against uh, Lotus Breach deck, which has popped back up. Um, and just a, a really underrated card that fits nicely on like you know a solid Savannah lines. Drive Militant is, is a, a really good one. So um, it's kind of interesting to me that we saw two of these like you know Burning Tree Emissary Gruel decks in two different top eights of these huge events, but they're very different, and like we didn't see any of them before. So uh, I'll I'll be interested to see which one sticks around if uh, if if any or if they're both just a flash in the pan. I, I've got to say I think I like the red version a little bit better. I think the mana's cleaner on that build. Uh, I think a Tarkus command is really powerful. It seems to be executing the plan better, right? Like it seems to be killing your opponent faster and quicker on average. I wouldn't mind some Bone Crusher Giants in this deck just to get a yeah. little bit more burn and some removal. Um, you know, maybe you turn a Gallia uh, because it's legendary and this deck really doesn't want to draw 
multiples of legendary creatures. Um, though I guess with if Galia lives, you're going to end up discarding the extra copies to, uh, to the ability. Yeah. I, th I think this card is secretly just really, really good. Yeah, it does work out that way very nicely, actually. And going back to the fourth place version, the one of Domi Raid, you know, the more I think about it, the more I like the Domi Raids in here. And I was thinking about, you know, the, the early versions of the decks that we saw, they were playing too many spells. You know, they would, like, try to fit in a Lightning Strike or try to fit in a Shock or whatever. You're looking at 35 creatures in this deck. Cause, you know, oh. yeah, cause you this get deck to play, knows what it's about. Yeah, because you get to play Bone Crusher Giant, too, right? Like, you get to play that spell. You know, you get to play Gorka and Rampager. You get to play that spell, you know, as well that's in here. But it's it's a creature and it's found off Domery. Another thing that, like, kind of holds down Domery in this format is the fact that the minus two isn't good in a lot of matchups because other people don't have creatures in their deck. You know, when you think of, like, Inverter, you're almost never using this ability against Inverter, and you're, like, never using this against, like, any of the control decks. You're not using it against a lot of, like, the, the, the rampish type decks. Like, what are you going to do, fight a Seder Wayfinder? Like, sure, if he gets through damage, yeah, that's, that's probably fine, but you're not utilizing this ability to its max. But if these mono red and these red green decks start getting more popular, which they seem to be doing, and you're playing against some of these mono white decks that just have a bunch of little shitters that just get in the way and stuff... This ability seems more relevant and more and more interesting and like more useful than you're using this card more and the card just becomes better. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's a good spot for uh, for Domri if if you've got a lot of mono white. Um, I I mean it's it's a good card. I'm not. I just think uh, I I have very fond memories of it, but I, I lamenting the fact that I, I think those memories are very much you know due to the very, the specific circumstances it existed in in its standard environment, which uh, which don't exist anymore. But it's still just a, a good card. I'm glad to see it seem play. I would love to break it, bust them out, you know, when, when we get to play Magic tournaments in 2021. Yeah, I know, right? It, it's not looking good for a long time, Ross. Look, my, uh, what was it? Was it last week or two weeks ago when we talked about this? And I was like, I actually wouldn't be surprised if we didn't play anything this year. That That's looking more and more possible. Oh, yeah. No, I'm. I think the at this point, the best case, absolute best case scenario is like we play a tournament in July or August, and that's like way best case. And I don't think that's yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, not neither do I. Um, I mean, also, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in time, Star City figures out something to do online. Like you're already seeing channel. Like we had a Grand Prix happen this weekend online. Uh, surprisingly enough. Um, you know, you guys uh, with BCW and Lotus Box have been putting on a lot of stuff. Uh, this, you know, you got some stuff going on later today uh, that will be in the past when people hear this. It would have already happened, sorry. Um, but there's a lot of online tournaments going on. Like MTG Melee is getting really popular. Lots of stuff's going on through there. You know, we talked about like the work that Pascal Maynard's doing, the work that Lotus Box is doing. Uh, they're putting on tournaments. I think, uh, what is it? Uh, the Bearded Dragon, I think, is putting on an event, if I remember right. Uh, the Hunter Burton Memorial. A tournament that big tournament goes on every year in Dallas, Texas. They did a thing over the weekend, and some big names played in that. You know, they had a thousand dollar prize pool. You're seeing a lot of events that are one case happening online, and you know, it's not a ton of money compared to like an open or a grand prix, right? Like the prize pool is definitely smaller, but you don't have to put on pants, Ross. You don't have to leave <laughs> your house. You don't have to fly there. You don't even have to acquire the damn cards half the time because your friends might have it, or you might have a a, a, a renting service. So you're looking at an actual really low cost to play these events. You just have to have the time that day, which a lot of you are going to have anyway. 
and you're gonna be playing it online. I will say this, give yourself something to do during the downtime. There's a decent bit of downtime and it's a little worse. You know, you and I can't go like grab a bite to eat or play cribbage or do something else during the downtime. You just have to kind of sit there. So like maybe you should be like double queuing or playing some other stuff or I don't know, doing whatever else you do with your, your, your time that's free because the rounds are still gonna take forever, but online can go really fast too. So um, this is pretty cool, right? Like you're gonna see the future of magic kind of evolve. Someone asked me this morning, uh, Brian Basoko is actually, you know, a friend of mine was, was asking me, that's two time SAG Open, Brian Basoko, I like to, I like to say, two time. And uh, he's a big fan of wrestling, so you kind of got to give him the like, uh, what, what, what do they call those things? You know, the, the, the little videos they would do of wrestlers, uh, the promos. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like the manager comes out w- with them or whatever. Or they always have like a really attractive woman come out with them. You're like, what, what is what is it actually? I don't know. <laughs> but what is their actual job? Like, what are their qualifications? <laughs> Where's the resume look like that, you know, gets you this job? But anyway, um, <laughs> he asked me this morning. Uh, let me let me see if I can find the, the actual uh, text that he sent me. I'm pulling it up on my phone right now. But he asked me and he was like, hey, uh, do you think magic events are ever going to be normal again? And this is a, a fair question, Right. It's weird that he's like, he's like, you know, not like local events, but like opens and stuff, you know, the bigger level stuff. Because like, I think your local stuff is going to look the same whenever people can start meeting, you know, because like you're, it's not going to, if your store is still open, like, let's be real. There's going to be some LGSs that aren't going to make it through this. And that's really sad. But the ones that do, like, they're going to look pretty similar. We might see some changes, but honestly, I think it's going to look the same whenever we get everything done. I wish it didn't at some level. You heard me, you, you, you got the brunt of my rant about organized play or a good bit of my rant about organized play yesterday. You know, cause they made a, a big announcement late in the day yesterday about organized play and how it was going to change. And we're not going to get into it too much, but I, look, I don't mind saying something controversial and some stuff that I'll probably take some backlash for. I, I think they should just get rid of the MPL completely and rivals. I think this is a good way to just be like, look, we're going to finish it out this year. And then next year we'll reevaluate, maybe go back to what we were doing. And maybe that's just because, like, that's a, that's a personal opinion I have. That's, like, you know, what I like and don't like. But I've never felt more alienated from the top end of, of organized play than I have in the last few years. I don't know what's going on half the time. I don't know what they're playing for half the time. Uh, I can't play for what they're playing for, if that makes sense. When the prior 25 years, like, you would see a pro tour happening. And you're like, you know what? If I tried really hard and won a PTQ or won whatever, you know, did well, top eight at a Grand Prix, whatever it is, I could do that. Like, I, I can go do that. The odds of you doing the NPL stuff is, is significantly lower, almost to the point where it's non-existent. Yeah, but that's a kind of just a function of Magic getting bigger and having a big audience. Like, you, you still need to maintain something at the top for like, the elite level players. One of the issues with Pro Tour's you know, in the last decade really has been that like they, they just, they got a little bit too big and then they had to start making it like harder to qualify for individual ones. Mm -hmm. And then it was in this awkward space where it was pretty difficult to qualify for, but it, you know, playing one pro tour didn't really mean a lot. Um, And uh, so I, I like that MPL and rivals exist. I think that's very good. I just don't think they've executed it well. That's my, your, your issue with being disconnected from it is an issue of marketing on their part and making the like they should always be playing relevant formats and honestly i think they i think a lot of the time the mpl should be playing like a cool format maybe even like a cool limited format and then that format exists on like mtgo or arena for the next week or two after that 
why is that not a thing? They, they should be debuting like new formats and they should be playing splits shortly after sets are released so they can sort of establish the metagame and they're always playing something fresh. A lot of the time they've been playing like dead formats that nobody cares about. Yeah. So the, a lot of the issue, the issues aren't with the, the existence of these things. It's with the execution of them, which I think has been shockingly poor. Okay. Thank you for saying that because you put it much better than I did. And that's, you're, you're kind of nailing it on the head. <laughs> that's what I do. Because yeah, <laughs> I don't have a problem with the existence of the program. Honestly, I, I, I like it overall. You know, uh, I was a big, I was a big proponent of hashtag pay the pros when that movement happened. Yeah. Like the people that were dedicating their lives to magic were like living at poverty level, like they were not making enough money and like your your chances of making money, like, yeah, you might spike a pro tour and you're good for the year. What happens next year? The odds of you spiking a pro tour are insanely low and then doing it again, that's exponentially low at this point. Like, you know, not, no one's Kai anymore. You know, like you have PVDR, like obviously he was like just doing absurd, but like, you know, that's all he does. And so like him getting rewarded for it, that's nice to see, you know? But it's like you said, the, the execution has been bad. And I think this is a good opportunity to maybe like take time, take a step back and look at it. I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, no. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. That would, this would be a good time to do that. It's not like you have, it's not like you have to worry about anything else. <laughs> like, I mean, like, obviously you have to worry about something. So that, that's okay. I'm being a little unfair. Obviously, I'm being like hyperbolic about certain things. I'm trying to have this conversation in good faith, you know, like in, in trying to see both sides. Okay. But like the MPL and Rivals League should be their marquee products. Like I, they should be really putting a lot of energy and effort and resources to make them as good as they can be. Exactly. Like the biggest thing that blows my mind, right, is when MPL got announced and all this stuff got announced, right? It was because Arena blew up. Arena overachieved to their wildest dreams, right? Like, let's be real. You always hope your product does well. They could not have seen this coming. I remember I was doing a different podcast at the time, and when Arena came out, one of the people on the podcast was like kind of against it. They were like, "Ah, it's like not great." And then I got on the like the 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 beta or whatever, you know. I got to I got to play it for it, but I'm like, "Yo, it's really good." I'm like, "This product's really really good. Like they didn't mess it up like they did MTGO. Like it's not gonna have as many problems, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually great." And so when they saw that their product was actually great and people were gonna like it, they kind of went ham, right? Like they did like, "Oh, we're gonna do this, 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 this," and then they didn't execute right? Like, no, they, they built it from the top down, instead of the other way around. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. they kind of, like, announce all this stuff, and then, like, you're like, well, how do you how do you make the MPL? Like, how do you get there when you're not in the MPL? How do you do this? What are they playing for? And they're like, oh, we'll figure that out. And then there was just radio silence for months, Ross. And I'm not talking about one or two. It was a long time before we got any kind of info of what was going on, and you kind of alienated a lot of people, right? Even the players themselves in MPL felt really alienated. I remember, you know, BBD like put a long post about it where he's like, I don't feel like one of y'all anymore. And I'm like, dude, you're not like, you know, you're in the, the 1% of the 1% now, you know, kind of thing. And not to go too deep into all that and like, you know, the philosophical and the political stuff on it, but it just, it comes down to exactly what you said. Like, I don't feel like the execution was how it needed to be. And I just think we have a chance to fix some of this. Uh, here's the problem. I don't have a fix for it. Right. And I try to do that in life, especially like, it's like the thing, um, you know, when people are in Magic or like, especially when you're streaming and you're like, you know, I don't know what to board out here. And someone's like, oh, this, this card's great. Board this card in. And you're like, well, what, what am I boarding out then? Right? You can't just give me a problem and then not a solution when you're trying to help in that way. Does that make sense? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to help me out on both ends here. And I can't do that without sitting down and really, you know, I would literally have to be hired by Watsy and hear what, what's possible, what's not. Because that's the other thing, too. People like, 
yell from the rafters and, you know, yell into the Twitter void about like, oh, this sucks or this would be better this way. And it's like, well, you're not working for them. You don't know the parameters they have to work on. You don't know the budgets they have. You don't know the logistics that they have. You don't know the things they're like, look, we'd love to do this. We just can't. And here's why. Yeah. That's a great idea. So much that goes in. Yeah. There's so much into it. And I'll say this. They're probably, and it looks like they're doing a really good job of what they've got. I'm not trying to, you know, dump on them or anything. I actually think Watsi overall has done a really good job in the last few years with everything that's going on. Because I, I think they're understaffed. I think there's a, there's some people there that are probably disconnected from some parts that they need to be connected to. And I think overall they could have done way worse. You know, and maybe that's not glowing praise, but like I think in some parts they did really well. The program's great. I think Arena's great. I would love to be able to play other something other than standard on it, but you know, uh, but a lot of the stuff that you can play historic. Uh, I actually might start playing historic soon. I watched you play that mono blue deck. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You know me. I'm man. excited. Brazen Borrower is so good in that deck. Yeah, like dude. That, wow. I think about you know the the one tournament I played with it that that top eight or whatever and that open and I was like, dude, if that deck had Brazen Borrower, like good lord, that deck that deck was already that deck was the best deck period that weekend. Yeah, like, it was busted. I think about putting Brazen Borrow, and I was like, Jesus Christ, like that would have been so good, or whatever. But um, sorry for the uh, the soapbox rants, guys. I'm I'm really sorry. It's just I, I love Magic. I love it. You know, we talked about it on the show. I've been playing since 1994. Obviously, there's been gaps. You know, it took huge breaks here or there. I got really competitive in like the early to mid 2000s. Took another break, came back, got competitive again. I want this deck to be. I mean, this deck. I want this game to be as great as it is because it is the greatest game. Like Magic is just amazing, and Right now, we get to actually kind of talk about the parts that we don't talk about as much because the problems get kind of overshadowed a little bit because the gathering is so good. And I'm not just trying to be funny. You know, like the best part about magic is the gathering. It's it's freaking true, right? Like I loved hanging out with you and Brennan and BCW and all the guys and all the girls and all the stuff at like uh, at uh, at opens. Like that was like the best part of the trip. Like I hated the actual traveling, right? I hated the stress of like picking a deck and like, you know, it's the worst feeling in the world, right? When you play round one and you're just like, God, I've just, I messed up. I just punted this whole last week. My deck sucks, you know, like blah, blah, blah. You know that feel. But then like, you're like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to go out. Me and Ross are going to get a good dinner tonight. We're going to have some drinks, get some insomnia cookies. He's going to throw a gallon of milk at my nuts, you know, like whatever, <laughs> whatever it is he's got to do to make himself feel better. We're going to watch a jazz game. He's going to yell at the screen just for ridiculous amounts. And I'm like, dude, it's the, it's the first quarter, Ross. Chill out. You know, that kind of thing. And I miss that stuff. You know, and we don't get to have that right now. So like, let's let's try to fix some of the other parts. Yeah, and and the, you know, magic be is being as sort of relentless as it, as it is. You know, there's always another tournament the next week, and it's so big now that like, you know, you you really can just play a tournament every weekend if you wanted to. Um, it is hard to have time to you know take a step back and reassess where things are. So I do hope that Watsi does that. Um, you know, obviously we have absolutely no knowledge of their inner workings or sway with any of them but uh you know ho- hopefully that that works out because I, I i actually really like the idea of the mpl and rival and rivals league i've thought that there needed to be like another tier in magic organized play for a while now probably Agreed. since like you know the middle of the last decade i was like this is this is getting rough because i i noticed it when gp started getting really big um and they always had it you know there was just more and more going on besides the main event and it got, became clear to me that like that was the stuff that gp that most of the people attending cared about and the main event was getting less and less important and that meant that like 
there were a lot of things that had to change about the event itself that was worse for players who just wanted to grind GPs and get pro points and qualifications. Um, and it, it was clear that like, they were trying to serve two masters and they couldn't do it. And so it's like, well, and they've they've kind of done that. They've now, with the switch to Magic Fest, like, realize that they need to be stressing all, all the other stuff. And we needed to divert those that high-level play into different areas. Um, and then, you know, they've started doing it. I think there, there's a long way to go. But, um, you know, that, it's just a consequence of Magic being a much bigger game than it was, you know, when the organized play system was devised. Now, that system was devised in the late 90s. Yeah. Right? You know, Magic was tiny then. And, it, it, you know, it's grown tremendously since then. It's very different. Like, why are, why were we still doing things the same way that we worked 20-something years ago? So Really, um, really good point. Uh, I love the point of it needed, like, another level. Can you imagine Major League Baseball without all the minor league levels it has? Which we might have to, by the way. They might be getting rid of one of the levels at some point because of the, because of the virus that he's, like, can't sustain these, these companies or whatever. But can you imagine, like, basketball without the D-League now? You know, without having somewhere to put these players so they can get more time? Then like, you know, hey, look, you can't start, you can't crack our starting five. So like, you're not going to get time to develop as a player and stuff. And like, you know, people used to talk about that. You remember when they used to talk about like uh, the open series with the minor leagues and then the Grand Prix yeah. series was like, you know, whatever, like just even something beyond that, you know, kind of rewarding those mid-tier professional players. I don't mean mid-tier players, just mid-tier professional players. You know, I think of people like me, I think of people like you. You know, like we weren't the elite of the elite, but we were good and we were like better than the average competitor. You know, and there was just nothing there at, at like points in my career. I was like, if I am not the best that I could possibly be, there's nothing for me. Yeah. You know, 15 years ago, you were like grinding PTQs at the Knights of Columbus Hall or playing 1Ks in different local stores. Well, I didn't <laughs> even get the area. 1Ks. It was just PTQs. We didn't have e anything else here. And my average drive to a PTQ, if you took the local one out, would be like six hours. And then... um we we actually had a cool thing that Tom Shea put on used to put on called the uh, the Northeast Challenge. Great um, organizer. And uh, he would well, local stores across the Northeast would essentially like get a kit from him, kind of the way they do IQs now to run a qualifier event. And they were they would run like four or five over the course of the summer. And at the end of the summer, there was a big event at TJ's uh, that was prized like a Grand Prix. It was like first, it was like a, a 10k or something. Um, so that, that was a cool thing that we had. You know, I've always been pretty lucky being in the Northeast. It's so dense, there, there's always been stuff. And you know, I, I wouldn't go more than like five hours for a PTQ, and I'd get to go to like 10 a season if I wanted to. Yeah, like I would have loved, you know, we tried to do some stuff down here, like store championships where like you know, all the stores you just don't get it as much. You know, it, just, it wouldn't work out. And I wish we had that kind of outlet a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, like you know, we don't need to talk about the inadequacies of the low level plays from the 2001 to 2007 <laughs> era of magic, you know, kind it's of thing. Just fun. It's fun for me thinking about that time because like when, when we had like a one K at a store, that was an event you tested for. Yeah. Like, that was your big event. And yeah. now like if a store tried to run that, it, no one would go like why it, at least, you know, uh, it, it, it just wouldn't, it just, that need has been, uh, met uh, by so many other things. I'm laughing because one of the outlets that I get right now is about once or twice a month, our local store runs a 0.35K. It's like $350 cash prize. And then it, depending on people show up, they, they give out other stuff, like more store credit and stuff. But you're guaranteed to get 300 to like $400 cash somewhere in there. And I, I mean, I like it. You know, I get to go to it. It's a nice little outlet for me. I do well in them. Don't get me wrong. And 
I just enjoy the outlet of getting to play competitive magic, you know? Tan and Grace farm in local stores. Well, I mean, like, let's be real. It's not even worth the time. You <laughs> to be there, like, all day long. You're like, you know, it's like a $35 entry fee or something like that. And you're like, you know, I made, like, anyway, like, let's not, <laughs> yeah, I don't need to do the math some of this. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I'm going to, I hope paper returns to where it has been and where I believe it should be and can get better. And I, I hope we get all that from this. And, you know, something good comes out of this crap that we've got going on. And, um, you know, before we get too far into the show and a bunch of other crazy stuff, we did have a bunch of questions for this week. So I wanted to make sure that we got to those. Let's do it. I've got them up right here. Yeah. So uh, the first one was it was from a Twitter follower that we had, but it was a good question. So we want to make sure it was on the show. It's, it's at Martin LEV. It's like uh, not strictly pioneer related. But what are your thoughts on Canadian Highlander? It's 1v1, 100-card singleton with vintage ban list. Uh, the cards have a, uh, a point value, Ross. So, like, the more broken a card, the higher the point value it has. And you can't have more than 10 points in your deck. So, like, uh, I might be getting this exactly wrong, but, like, Soul Ring is, like, a 6 or something like that. You get what I'm saying? You can't have, like, just a ton of the burn cards. And secondly, how many games in a row should Altuve get thrown at uh, or get thrown chin music when baseball restarts. So Jose Altuve is the starting second baseman for the Astros. This player, this person is asking how many times should he be plunked in a row if he started. The Astros uh, famously got in very big trouble uh, before. So uh, since you probably don't know what the first part is, I'm going to answer this one. Um, oh, yeah. I love... I've, I've heard of Canadian Highlander, but this is the first time I like realized what it was. I love it. I, I like the format a lot because it takes out the parts of Commander that I don't like, but put up with. I don't like actual Commanders in Commander, uh, it makes the game too monotonous and too repetitious, um, which I don't like because I'm of. I've always been a big fan of hundred card singleton decks, even before Commander was a thing. I like the fact that no two games feel exactly the same this way, and I prefer to play one on one, which is like the Canadian Highlander type thing. And I'm competitive and like to win, and you get to play a lot of the cards that are like really good, but I still own. You know what I mean? Like if I play like a bug deck, I get to play like Leovold alongside like Abrupt Decay and Snapcaster Mage and Fatal Push and Thoughtseize. I get to play all these cards together that span like generations of magic. And then you get to have fun. Like I'm just going to put a damn Torrential Gear Hulk in my deck because I want to, Ross. Not because it's good, but because I want to. Uh, secondly, how many games in a row should Altuve get uh, thrown chin music when baseball starts? I'm not advocating to throw at a baseball player, especially not chin music. Um, chin music, for those who don't know, it's uh, if you knew wrestling, it's when you know Shawn Michaels would kick someone in the, in the chin. Chin music in baseball is when they throw it at a person's head. Um, throw at them all you want. Keep it keep it below the chest. Hit him in the butt. You know, hit him in the ribs somewhere where it's not gonna really injure the guy or whatever. Blah blah blah. Uh, baseball is a way of policing itself where the players throw at each other in the game. It's kind of barbaric, and I think it should be out of the game mostly. Baseball is full of unwritten rules. You can definitely tell that baseball is a sport that came to prominence, you know, a long time ago. Very so it has a lot of remnants of those days. Oh, there's there's so many things that'll just start fights in the game. Like they had a, they had a, they had one that you hadn't seen in a long time. Um, a player was like running to first base or whatever, and got thrown out, right? And when he was like running across, because he had to go to the third base side to go to his dugout, he just stepped on the mound. He just like ran yeah, across like the a mound. Big no no. That's a huge no no. And the pitcher's just like, "What the hell are you doing?" And he's like, we somebody's like, you got on the mound, and they just started a fight. Like, you just you don't do things like that. Like, there's there's certain little things in the game you just don't do, and like it's the unwritten rules. They're mostly stupid, and like these people are like, you know, kind of uh, holding on to a bygone era, and like you know, you get what I'm trying to say here. Um, I will say this: I think the punishment was too lenient. The players did not get punished; they were given uh, 
immunity to talk about what happened and you know the, the higher ups in the organization uh got in trouble for this i think it's kind of bullshit honestly um for those who don't know what i'm talking about they uh did a lot of cheating with video and stuff like that it's, it's hard to explain the whole thing just google it uh youtube it there's a lot of video series if you really liked uh like cheating scandals in any way like this. Like if you followed the Postle thing and poker that went on last year, a lot of those cool things, this, this feels a lot like that. So you can, if you're bored right now, you could go down the YouTube rabbit hole with this. There's a lot of cool things. I don't want to, you know, go too far into it, but I will say that I lost a lot of respect and I really didn't like the Astros very much, even though they do have some LSU players on there, which I like or whatever. But, and I will say this, their press conferences and everything about it afterwards, all the responses, whoever hired their, they had like a a, a team that was put into place, uh, like a a response team for this kind of thing. They deserve a refund. They were horrible. Like just horrible. Do you have, do you have anything you want to add to this? I just think it, it's going to be strange because, you know, COVID is, domi- is dominating everything. It kind now. of washes By the time baseball the restarts, like, I don't think this is going to be nearly as big. I think he would have gotten thrown at, like, I think the Astros would have gotten thrown at a lot had baseball started on time and everything was normal. But I think if they, like, you know, don't start a season and play an abbreviated season starting in, like, September or something. They're going to play an abbreviated season. I, I, I seriously doubt they play 162 games, and they're going to play games without fans. It's 100% happening. Uh, I've, I've heard that the NBA is strongly considering finishing their season all in Las Vegas and just keeping the teams all in one place uh, and doing all the games there which would be interesting. It'd be kind of cool. But, uh, um, so one last thing I want to say about this, like, like here's a perfect example of how I feel about how this would have happened this year. So um, there was actually betting odds on how many times the Astros would be hit by a pitch this year for the first time in history. And I think the number was like 82 and a half or 84 and a half or something like that. Uh, the reason they put halves in the betting line is so you have a clear like over under. So it's like, you know, 83 is a win, 81 is a loss, you know, 82 is a loss, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you can bet the over or the under. It makes it easy that way. Um, a lot of my friends, when they put the thing out, like, I have, you know, chats for baseball, everybody was like, oh, this is, this is a snap over, right? Like, everybody wants to bet the over here. I told every single person wanted to bet it, and I actually did put some bets in. I was like, I will take the under from every single person. The number that they picked was uh, only eclipsed four times in the last, like, seven years. That doesn't sound like it's, oh, that, that sounds like it's a decent amount. You got to understand, this is 30 teams playing for those seven years. So it happened four times out of those 210 different instances or whatever, right? But yeah, they're going to get thrown at them more. Baseball had said they were going to try to protect these players a little bit. So I think they were going to like really, really come in hard on the first couple of people who threw at the Astros. And then it was going to be like, look, the first couple of people get throw at them. You're going to get suspended. Don't do it again. And so I thought it was going to get curtailed real fast. I thought they were going to get hit. Like there's some players that don't give a shit. Like, CC Sabathia, you could tell him, we're throwing you out of the league if you throw at the team for it. And he's like, yeah, whatever, I had a good run. <laughs> Hit him. You know, like, he's just that kind of guy, you know, kind of thing. So I didn't think it was going to be a big, big thing. But um, go ahead. I, uh, I've got one more thing to say, and it's about Canadian Highlander, because I've looked up the points list, and Soul Ring is only a four. Okay. What the fuck, people? Like, it's already a joke that this card is just randomly legal in Commander. Soul Ring is busted. It's the best card in Vintage Cube. How is it a four? Yeah. What? Is, wh- how is that a four? Uh, they have Time Walk as a seven. Soul Ring's a four. Yeah, so you're, you know how I feel about... You're telling me Time Walk's twice as good as Soul Ring, or, you know, almost twice as good as Soul Ring? Get, get out of here. You yeah. can play it in every deck. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Time Vault is a seven. Yeah, exactly. All right. Soul Ring's uh, a From four. Friendly Fire 21, three questions. 
two non-magic related. Ooh. Ross, who is your favorite jazz player of all time? And then all time favorite player. Um favorite jazz player of all time. You know, I don't know if there's a definitive list. Joe Ingles, I like quite a bit. I liked I really liked watching Paul Millsap. Um and I watched a lot of that era, like the late 2000s. Um, I guess he was more uh, right after that era ended, too, because after Boozer was was gone. But I, I liked Millsap more than Boozer, even when they were both on the team. So I think I'll, 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 let's go with Paul Millsap. And then all-time favorite player? I don't know. Um, I don't really have one, my bad. Like, sorry. Uh, I, I, I really just don't. I, I don't really root for individual players when I'm watching a team sport. I like rooting for a team. You know, there are players I like and don't like, but like, I'm not, I'm not super aligned with any given one. So they asked the same question for me, except baseball. Um, so if you didn't know, I'm a huge Braves fan, like the biggest Braves fan in the entire world. Uh, my two favorite players of all time are Chipper Jones and John Smoltz. Uh, I still remember watching Chipper's last game. He played his entire career with the Atlanta Braves. He came up in like 93, 94. Um, got hurt right away or whatever, but, you know, he played his last game, uh, you know, late 2010. So, or I can't remember the exact year now that I think about it or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like a very large, prominent part of my life, you know, I was like 10 or 11 when he first came up and then I was in my, like, I was in my thirties, like when he stopped. So I got to watch that man's entire career. I teared up like a little boy during that last game, you know, um, you know, won MVP for us, won a World Series with us, great. You know, love that stuff. Smoltz is like my favorite pitcher, just loved his tenacity, like loved the way he approached the game. Um, that man is one of those people that he will not accept being bad at something. Like he has got the biggest competitive spirit I've ever seen in a human being in my life. Uh, so those are like my favorite uh, players that I liked a lot to watch outside of that were like Griffey, uh, some players like in that, uh, Andrew Jones, like just like the really athletic could just do things on a field that you're just like amazed every time. I did have a favorite basketball player. Uh, I was a big Michael Jordan guy growing up. I mean, like, come on. I was a, I was a nineties kid during the bulls era. Like I had the, the Bulls starter jacket, the bulls, uh, you know, hat. I had a, I had a pair of Jordans when I was a kid. Like, let's be real. We all did. I had the, I had the shoes. Uh, uh, I didn't, what were the pump shoes called? The, the Nike airs, uh, the ones where we had to pump the little, the little push button and you had a little cartridge of air. Do you remember this? They might have been just called pumps, but you could literally yeah, pump up your shoes. It was the dumbest thing ever. Anyway, um, another question they asked, what are some non-magic YouTube channels you watch? Ross? Um, if you don't watch YouTube, do you have like a, a non-magic related podcast that kind of falls oh, in the same? I, I definitely go down some YouTube rabbit holes. I watch a good amount of Bon Appetit. They're like Test Kitchen. They're all doing stuff from home now because of the of COVID. That's weird. Um, and... I like watching like uh, just like compilations of clips from like the various like talent shows. I just want to see the audition and move on. All the like like watching the actual show and all the stuff yeah, around that stuff it. Sucks, yeah, yeah, just it's just a waste of time. But I like what just I don't know. You know, like I, I like like weird, interesting covers, and they often do do a lot of those. Yeah, same. Like, I'm like, big the cover same competitions. So, so I'll just watch those. Yeah, uh, for me, I watch. Uh, like Overwatch League a good bit on YouTube. And I, I kind of do what you do. I just like, go down the rabbit hole in some certain things. I love cooking shows. Like I like food quite a bit. Um, stuff like that. 
I, um, I kind of like every now and then I like a good conspiracy theory one where you just like watch the videos for like you're like oh my god it's been six hours like what happened <laughs> you know kind of thing Jesus like uh, like one of my favorite ones are like the is Avril Lavigne dead one or like, oh, or that there's like a big that one's a weird one was that yeah that's a weird one yeah because like there's a theory that she's been dead for like 14 years or 12 years or something like that and like it's very convincing yeah they like you know she died in like a car accident and they uh, like replaced her. With yeah, a body double. like, do you ever see the movie uh, with George Strait, the country movie? Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's like Country Strong or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. some, it's, it's some movie. George Strait's country movie. It's the same thing. He doesn't die, but he's like, hey, I just like don't want to do this anymore. And he's gonna do that kind of looks like him, and he like puts the hat on. He's like up on stage, all the lights, so you can't really see him, and they're still making money off his name. But like, you know, because he's got a good brand or whatever. Blah blah blah. But yeah. if you haven't there's done this, it, do yourself here. Do the Avril Lavigne uh... deep dive. It's it's some crazy shit. It's actually pretty great. Have you have you done the deep dive on the Paul McCartney one? No, but I'm definitely going to now that you yeah. mentioned. It, what what's the is it the same it's kind the of same thing? thing. That he's they dead? think Paul, like there are people that think Paul McCartney died in the '60s and they like the like the height of Beatlemania and they're like, well, we're not going to like stop you know marketing the Beatles, so they just like you know secretly ran like auditions and found a new Paul McCartney and like some plastic surgery or some shit or something. Yeah, they they literally think like they. Claim that the guy who is Paul McCartney now is not the real Paul McCartney. Hmm, interesting. I'm gonna have to look into that one. Third question from Friendly Fire Twenty. By the way, great questions. Um, what are both your feelings on the reserve list existing? Uh, all my, I'm a little torn on certain aspects, but the overall arc is get it the fuck out of here. Yeah, I, w- I wish it didn't, but I'm, now that legacy doesn't matter, I'm, I'm much less passionate about anything that that deals with those cards. <laughs> Uh, from Lee McLeod, if Akora is Kaiju World, what do you want to see in it? Um, I want to see giant monsters fighting giant robots, which I don't think is going to actually happen, obviously, because there's no way to make that into a magic card. But what is the name of that movie? It had a sequel. It came out recently um, where it was Kaiju fighting robots. Uh, the first one had the dude from... Uh, Oh my god, I'm like really blanking on everything here. Just go ahead and talk with, with your answer real quick, and I'll, I'll come back to this. All I want is friendly colored fast lands and pain lands. <laughs> come on, Ross. I need more from you, so I have a minute to look stuff up here. That's, that's all I want. I had to look up what kaiju was. You didn't know what kaiju was? Are you, no. are you kidding me? You're so weird. Um, What's the, the, the motorcycle show, the, the, the motorcycle MC that was really big? Uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, the Sons of Anarchy. Um, The main actor from that, Charlie... Uh, Hunnam, he was in a movie, Pacific Rim, that's it. And the sequel is god-awful. But the first one, it's one of those movies, like, I'm, like, guilty pleasure. Like, I loved that. Um, I really liked the the Godzilla revamp, the, the, the first one. The second one kind of sucked, but, like, hopefully the third one's good when he fights King Kong. I kind of like this stuff. Like, there's no, there's... There's a part they of me that's actually... two I, Godzilla movies recently? Yeah, there's been two in the last, like, five or six years. Yeah. Yeah, there's, really? there's, yeah, one of them is actually really good. You should definitely watch the, the, the first one that came out. The, the movie's actually just a good movie. Huh? Pass. No, it's actually really good. I'm not doing that, Tannen. Ross, look, if if you do that, I'll do something for you. I'll, like, read some Stalin or Lenin or something. We'll, 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 make, a, we'll make a trade, okay? And um, Okay, I might do that. Okay, sure, sure, we'll make a trade. But uh, I had this, it was funny, my wife the other night was like, I was like, hey, I'm in, the mood, I'm in the mood to watch a movie. She's like, what do you want to watch? I was like, I kind of watch, like, a disaster movie, like a monster disaster movie, but, like, a good one, not one of, like, it's either so bad it's good or it's actually like pretty well done. Like I liked the original Cloverfield, you know, like, and I'm not a big, I like, I don't like horror movies, but I like the like disaster, crazy, like dystopian movies. Yeah. I do like a good, like post-apocalyptic 
crazy like if you can make the zombie genre good like i like that a lot too not just ridiculous like this movie is just them doing cool kills but i did like zombie land but anyway yeah, um so, i don't like any of those any of these things you just don't like good entertainment man especially with how much <laughs> you drink i think you just get drunk and watch these movies like i have some really bad favorite movies like have you ever seen the 80s masters of the universe like the he-man the live action he-man movie it's Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Like, Courtney Cox is in it. Like, dude, I think it's on Netflix. If not, it's on, like, Hulu or something. I'll give you my damn login so you can watch it. I have a movie. Netflix account. Ross, this movie is a 10 out of 10. Like, literal <laughs> 10 out of 10. It is perfect. <laughs> it is actual. Like, I'm going to watch it tonight. Like, I made Natalie watch it, and she just hated me the whole time. But it's so good. It's so good. Like... I just wanted him to like, I just wanted Dolph Lundgren to look at Skeletor and be like, I must break you or whatever. Like, I would just loved him to have done that. But oh my God, it's so good, Ross. I, there is only one movie I've ever watched that I have thought is so bad. It was good. And it, that was The Room. Which, which one is that one? The, the That's the one that the, the disaster artist is about. Oh, the, like the original, like, yeah, you're tearing me apart. That one, yeah. you know, like, I watched it with, with Brad. Uh, and then we went and saw the disaster artist. Yeah. And that one was so bad it was good okay i've never actually seen it but obviously i've seen the memes a hundred times it's, what is it oh hi mark and oh hi mark yeah <laughs> yeah this, that dude's acting is out of this world so definitely need to check that out all right we got another uh we got another question here this one's from uh brent wagner you ever heard of this guy nah nah yeah whatever it's probably some random but anyway it says uh, editor next to his name i don't know why he would brag about you know what he does for a living all right, so we kind of we kind of went into this a little bit, whatever. What are your most must-watch TV shows? This is a really good question for right now, by the way. What are your must-watch TV shows? Also, what show is criminally underrated that no one talks about that we should watch? Um, so one show I would encourage people to watch is Glow. I think that show is great. I'm gonna get around to it eventually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're through what th- three seasons now? I think it's or done. Just two, actually. I think it's three or four seasons, and I think it's done. I th- I, they're do- no, I think they're do- they're doing one more. I think. Or at least I think they want to, um, because they definitely left uh, like a. They, lately, yeah, they left some things at the end of the last season. But Glow is really good. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that are really good now. I'm not. I'm not really watching a lot of like new shows now. I just keep rewatching How I Met Your Mother over and over again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually watched a show recently that had Josh Radner in it, the the main guy from How I Met Your Mother, the, the actor, and I was just like, oh my god, that's him, and he looks completely different. It's great. Must watch TV shows. I'm going to list a couple off the top of my head. Uh, Justified, um, Sons of Anarchy, like we were talking about earlier, um, Firefly, um, like pretty much anything from Josh Whedon. All of his stuff's great. All of his TV stuff. Um, I really liked Breaking Bad. You know, I need to watch uh, Better Call Saul. I keep hearing that's possibly better than Breaking Bad. I don't know if that's possible, but definitely need to check that out. Um, you and I both loved Chuck. It's a good, feel-good, comedy, goofy-type show. Just don't watch season five. Yeah, season five is god-awful. Just go to the just go to the last episode. The last episode's good. You probably won't understand what's going on, but, like, the, the ending of it's good or whatever. Um, I need to, like, type out a whole, like, really long answer to this and maybe put it in the Discord. Or we could talk about this on, um, you know, you and I, we wanted to kind of announce something like this. Um, I'm not sure exactly on the execution of this or the date or time, but at some point in time, um, what we're going to do is we're going to start doing some more fun stuff on the side because there's you know so much free time for everybody going on right now. We're all stuck at home. Ross and I are going to do maybe not a live episode of this. We think about maybe we might do that show ourselves recording it. You can watch it on Twitch, but we'd like a more like maybe possible interactive type thing where we're going to have questions get sent to us ahead of time, like discussion topics could be magic, could be non-magic related. 
and we'll stream on Ross's channel, he and I talking about this kind of thing. And so we'll get like a bunch of questions together. Um, people can be in the chat and interact and bring stuff up. Um, I mean, this could be a thing that could be an hour long. This could be a thing that could be three or four hours long, depending on how much fun everybody's having with it. Ross and I will probably have some wine or something while we're doing it and get a little inebriated and have quite a bit of fun with it. But I can also probably try to get like a longer list with that, you know, because if we get questions ahead of time, I can like write out answers and have, you know, be a little more ready for that kind of thing because I've watched way too much television and there's there's been some really good stuff. Oh, um, if you haven't watched Watchmen from HBO, it came out last year or I think it was technically last year or whatever. That is one of the best TV shows I've seen in a long time. It's one season. That's it. You don't need prior knowledge, but you should probably maybe Google a little bit of it, of what of what the Watchmen stuff is. I had probably the minimum. I'd seen the, the movie, never read the comic, just Googled some stuff. That show was 9.9 out of 10, like as, as close as you can get. You know, uh, The Mandalorian, I thought was extremely good and well done. All right. And then uh, yeah. do you have any criminally underrated um, shows? Probably goes along with the ones that you think are just supposed yeah, to watch, know. Like, you know? Uh, I really, I don't really hear people talking about Glow, so I'll bring that one up again. Um, I'm trying to. I'm, you didn't mention the Simpsons in here. I know you're like oh, the biggest Simpsons fan of all should, time. You, if you haven't watched the Simpsons by now, like, what are you doing? Just watch. Like, it holds up yeah. so well too. Watch the first, um, the first nine seasons. You can stop after that. You don't have to watch the next twenty. Uh, yeah. Is that the number? Uh, most people won't include nine. I like. I still like season nine, but, but the, the peak is okay. five through eight. Five, five, six, seven, eight is just okay. like there might be one bad episode in four seasons. It's so, it is unbelievable. Um, I'm just looking through like Hulu and like shows that I've watched recently on there. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is is actually I've watched it twice. Is actually uh, season seasons two and three aren't great, but season one is unbelievably good, uh, and it recovers yes. for four and five. But season one is one of the best seasons of television ever. It's very, very, very good. Yeah, like it's 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 debatable whether or not it's perfect. Um. So yeah, that's it. That's about it. All right. Well, Ross, if people wanted to hear more from you, watch you more, or read you more, where would they go? A lot of places. Um, well, if tell them you just about. Wanna, it. <laughs> yeah, we can. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Ross Hunneds, R O S S H U N N E D S. Um, I do uh, try to respond to people as much as possible there. That's the best place to just you know drop me a line, ask me a question, find out, uh, you know, what I'm doing when, you know, when episodes of the Pioneer Cast go live or Versus Live or, uh, you know, articles and stuff like that. I announce it all there. Um, as for uh, for Versus Live, uh, we're actually adjusting the schedule this week because Ikoria preview season starts tomorrow. And so we're going to do a Friday show this week with Ikoria preview cards. So Friday from 1 to 4 Eastern time, uh, you can find us playing, you know, new standard with Ikoria cards. Should be a great time there. Um, uh, But we are normally Tuesday and Thursday from 1 to 4 p.m. Uh, If you want to catch us regularly, that is still happening. Um, Versus live, if you can't catch it live, you can find it on YouTube. The uh, Thursday shows go up the following Monday. The Tuesday shows go up on Friday uh, to the Star City Games YouTube channel. And then uh, my articles go live on Tuesday at 11 Eastern on Star City Games. Uh, This week's article I was a really big fan of. I had a blast writing it as well. It is all about, uh, you know, parsing deck lists and figuring out 
um, and, and deck building in, uh, as well. But what the numbers really mean in a deck list? What does it mean to play four of a card or three, two, one? When is it appropriate? And when do these numbers make sense? So uh, if, if you know you want to get better at deck building, uh, you know that's going to be a good article for you. And then I am now a streamer. It actually mm-hmm. happened. You know mm-hmm. the, the memes are gone. Soon, soon has has come. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, my channel is uh, Twitch uh, TV slash uh, Ross Miriam with an Ross underscore Miriam. Got to get the underscore in there. So easy to find. I don't have a set schedule yet. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working on trying to figure that out. Um, and but I, I should have one by next week. You know, I'm just you know throwing around ideas, and then we, we got to get working on some emotes. I'm gonna have. A, I'm definitely gonna do one with crazy hair because I always my hair always gets messed up when I uh, when I stream. Uh, so that's definitely one I'm gonna do. But I'm still brainstorming other other ideas and get the ball rolling there. Um, so you know you can follow me on Twitch or subscribe. That'd be great. Appreciate any and all support uh, on any of those platforms. Tana, how many different platforms do you have? Like seven? No, or- actually, I'm, I'm I've convinced <laughs> that all of us. I'm mostly just Twitter. <laughs> nowadays which is at the tan and grace uh thanks for the segue by the way that was nice um it's at the tan and grace uh i'm pretty active on there so uh i use the website a lot so make sure you you know you follow me on there i'm getting really close to four thousand followers i want to get there ross and then um i was say i do have a twitch channel it's just it's just tan and grace you know on twitch or whatever but um i should be streaming a little bit i did a little bit like a week or two ago i haven't much since but i've been wanting to i'm just trying to figure out what to do you know, with it, um, I get a little bored uh, streaming magic sometimes with and stuff that's really repetitive like Arena is right now. So we'll see what happens. I can maybe do some Pioneer, et cetera. But I might, you know, stream some of the other games and stuff that I play and have a little fun with that. So we'll see that. Um, the Our uh, podcast has a Twitter as well. It's at Cast Pioneer. If you put Pioneer Cast in, you can find it there as well. But make sure you give us a follow. Uh, all the live episodes get tweeted out immediately when they go live. Plus, we retweet a lot of really cool deck lists and stuff that's going on in Pioneer. So make sure you check that out. If you go to that Twitter, you can find links to the Discord and the Patreon. Um, lots going on in the Discord. My favorite section in it over the last few weeks, I've got to say, has been the food section. People have been bringing it in the food section, and I mean bringing it. And not just <laughs> pictures of good food, really cool when um, we've got like some chefs and stuff in there that are giving uh, recipes and like how to make stuff or like ideas on how to, you know, change stuff up. Um, I forgot exactly what it was. I had the example in my mind. And I forgot. I mean, my memory's just gone today. But there was something in there and they were like, hey, try it this way. And I did it and it blew my mind. I was like, this was really good. So I love that section in there. Plus there are sections for every magic thing you can think of in there as well. Um, also, there's sections in there just for the patrons that are involved in our Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash pioneercast. We really appreciate everyone that's still supporting the cast while this is going on. We know and understand. If you can't, that's fine. We understand that, you know, a lot of people are having a hard time out there. You know, us included, we feel your pain. So if you can't afford to, to help us out right now, don't. It's not It's not going to hurt us. We'll be okay. Come back when you can, if you can. And we really appreciate it, but just keep listening. That's all the support we really, really need. But we really do appreciate every patron out there. Um, y'all are the real MVPs help keep us and Brent going every week and make sure that we can do this uh, because it's not free. So it's, it's, it, it is something fun and great that we'd like to do. And I look forward to every week, you know, it lets me talk to Ross. It's nice. I, I, I miss him. So I'm a, I'm a real big fan. So make sure you check that out. And we're gonna have some more cool stuff coming for the patrons in the future. Like we had the tokens made for everybody, but as everyone can probably assume, <laughs> Ross is about to show them to me right now. Yep. He's got a, just a stack of a hundred tokens on his desk. We're going to get those out to people. ASAP. I promise you, 
it's just the the the, the p part of it right now is not really a thing yeah <laughs> it's not really high priority we're trying to put that on the back burner while the world burns around us so we're going to get that figured out as soon as possible but we have some other cool stuff in the works like the live video that we're going to probably do i don't know if it'll be this week ross because it's already wednesday and like trying to get stuff done for friday seems rough but i'm thinking maybe next week yeah let's do it next week yeah we'll get some more stuff in the future we've talked about the idea of for our higher paying patrons we have like a ten dollar tier and stuff in there and maybe even involving the the five dollar as well but we'll give the ten dollar tiers extra votes where ross and i might take votes from everybody on what deck you want to see once a month and we'll record a magic online video together of us playing through a league with the deck we'll talk about it do maybe um kind of like a deck tech on it and play through some games and some changes that you know possibly we would make on it or whatever in the future uh, along with a few other ideas that we've got coming down the pipe so if you have any other good ideas that you think or some things that you want to see or whatever on the show because a lot more free time right now we want to make sure you guys are getting the best you guys and girls are getting the best bangs for your buck right now so let us know what you want to see and what some changes that you want to see in the stuff so Anyway, thanks for listening. It's been fun doing it this week, and we'll see you all next week. And hey, everybody, be careful, wash your hands, and don't go outside. (laughs) All right, stay safe out there, y'all. We love you. See y'all later. safe out there y'all we love you see y'all later stay the fucking home <laughs> that's gonna be he, he records an audio clip every week that's gonna have to be the audio clip stay fucking home <laughs>